What is the one quality that you possess that makes you think that you can walk out here and come to the ring and face the very best in the business? Ruthless aggression. The stipulations for this Sunday's Cadet Lewis Park match are as follows. I forgot to tell you. I lie! Who is your favorite wrestler of all time? Triple H! I'm not afraid of you! Now, you know what's the front? The front says chicks Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ruthless Aggression Podcast. Oh, yeah. Before we get started, I have to let you all know, from the day of this pay-per-view, which is February 15th, 2004, it's been, uh, one, two, it's been exactly two weeks since Super Bowl 38, where the world witnessed Janet Jackson's right booby. Has lately had more exposure than Janet Jackson's right booby. Oh, yeah. Cool. So let's all That's talk about. I got a, wide okay. nipples. So I just have to ask: any memories of this event? We just we have to talk about this. Uh, I didn't really watch foosball, but I remember uh, just the next day at school how they had those like Channel One morning news things in school. That was just like the hot topic. It was like Janet Jackson showed her booby on TV, and everybody was like, "Whoa, <laughs> you got to see your titty!" <laughs> Wait, they so talked about that at Channel One. Yeah, I mean, they didn't, like, show pictures, but they just alluded to, like, Janet Jackson's under fire for a, a controversial wardrobe malfunction, you know? Oh, Go to head. Yeah. Make they didn't say, hey, everybody, she popped her titty out. Take a look, kid. <laughs> I remember I didn't really care about the halftime show, so I wasn't paying attention. And then I heard something happened. I looked up. I missed it. And then I had to go on Drudge Report to see a picture of it later. You went, <laughs> there's a booby of a side. I've been one to see during the clumps. What in the world is Drudge Report? Drudge Report was like the internet. The they're like, here's the real hardcore news. And I didn't. And I just like Googled Janet Jackson nipple, and it was the first thing that that came up. I remember. I just remember that was the first one. And it, I was, oh yep, that that's what a nipple looks like. Why is there a clamp on it though? I don't understand that. So referred to as Nipplegate. Oh my god, everything's just something, and then add gate at the end. Yeah, thanks a lot, Watergate. What kind, of, what, like kind of, what kind of a weird stunt was that, too? Because, like, I, re- I remember at the time, they, they kind of were like, no, no, it wasn't intentional, it's wardrobe malfunction, but, like, come on. So I'm going to fill it's you obvious. in right now, like Craig David. Go on, Craig David, CD, as I will. Make it happen. <laughs> so, this literally changed the world as we know it. I'm convinced of it after my research. So what happened was Janet Jackson was headlining Super Bowl 38, uh, the halftime show. And I believe this was sponsored by MTV. I don't quite remember. Yes. But her and Justin Timberlake 
they come out and over the past couple months or so they had been touring together and they built some sort of a relationship up together not romantically per se but not sexual folks but who's to say you know justin Timberlake was a you know quite the stud muffin if you will <laughs> he still is folks he still is my little four-year-old stud muffin i won't deny that but you will supply that oh. and so they're doing a medley it culminates with rock your body and the idea was it's still a risque spot but justin yes. timberlake was supposed to pull off a breast covering of janet jackson it was supposed to reveal her bra but he pulled a little too much or something was still attached it, it's still unknown what exactly happened because no one's really being truthful but um yeah her nipple was partially exposed to the world and she says do you think i like the fact that 90 million people saw my breast and yes <laughs> and in brackets it says 120 million so that's that's the minimum of how many people witness this event but this this went on to become the number one most searched thing in the history of the internet and i definitely contributed to it i didn't watch football at the time i think i was in the fourth grade you just heard about it it was one of those things that you couldn't escape and you went mommy what's a nipple and she slapped you how'd you know don't you never speak of such things unclean and then she locked you in the cellar basically <laughs> so this happening brought forth all sorts of fines from the fcc against the fcc <laughs> to fox to cbs all these entities everyone was getting fined and while you have people in one breath saying this is a travesty this is a blah 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 and you know i i side with that to the degree that i wouldn't want my kids seeing that you know so but, but however most search thing of all time i don't think that many people were offended by it yeah the end of the day people like free and <laughs> you know what i'm saying hey, it's just kind of weird like even if the true like what was meant to happen was he was supposed to pull it off and expose just her bra just to be like risque it's like why it's a super bowl halftime show <laughs> like i don't think this is the time to be risque i i've got a lot of feelings about censorship i'm not a fan of it in pretty much any way i side with like who cares man go watch tv in any other country there's a lot of uh, contradictory things such as janet jackson saying why would this be good but people speculated that she had an album coming out soon thereafter and she said why would i why would i bring that attention to myself with a cd coming up and she's got to be the only one asking that it's like of course you would do something like that to get eyes on your CD. Because then, after this, it's it's a fact that Station started playing her songs more. It was crazy afterwards, like the big trial. Like, they took it to, like, the Supreme Court. We can we can watch a grisly torture scene on 24, but uh, God forbid we see a nipple. A woman's nipple. I mean, A woman's we, nipple. We can watch wrestling. I'm looking at four nipples right now. It's uh, I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I gotta get you guys' opinion on, on this, though. Janet Jackson and her PR team... And a lot of people said this was to create a diversion, putting so much attention on this because it was an election year. What do you guys say to this? No, that's dumb. <laughs> it's yeah. an election year. Show your titty. <laughs> and 16 years later. I was like, really? 
It's like a high profile, like you're Janet Jackson, you're Michael Jackson's sister. Like people, people are interested. It's like, it has high nothing to do pity. with the freaking election year. She's like, I'm about to turn this election year into an erection year. Oh. Titty. Brought to you by Blue Chew, folks. <laughs> so obviously, Cowboy J- hat smile. <laughs> so obviously, Janet Jackson is, you know, putting it on anything else. Whereas Justin Timberlake, he comes out and he says, hey, man, you know who, who wouldn't want to be in that situation? <laughs> and then has to come out immediately afterwards and say, I am sorry if I offended anyone by my actions. It's like, ah, oh, come on, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry that I offended you with, with Janet's nipple. I'm sorry that you got to see her titi. <laughs> Listen, I mean, to make things did. fair, I'm going to show you my dick. <laughs> and the whole everyone freaked out. <laughs> so as highly controversial... <laughs> as highly controversial as this was... What year would you put this on as being settled? When, when do you think this was all settled by? 2016. Uh, Just, I don't know. You mean like legal stuff settled or just like people stop caring? Yes, legal stuff. Oh, God. I don't know. I'm going to say like by the end of the year, but I know you're going to be like, nope, they didn't settle to 2013 or something like that. Close. 2012. Ooh. So almost a decade long headache. For all these big wigs and TV networks and stuff like that. Big wigs. This wig is so large. And that's why Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers were on the next year. Boo. Hey, I like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Uh, Get out of here. There's this stupid guy on the bus that every time they came on, he'd be like, it's Tom Pooty and the Fartbreakers. Isn't that funny? (laughs) You're like, no, that's not funny. It's the dumbest joke ever. It's, it's ironically funny. <laughs> <laughs> you got like, hey, Tom Pooty. Tom Pooty and Fort Riker's. <laughs> so just some cool facts about um, the legacy of this, and then we'll move on to the actual show. Cool game facts. Um, Are you looking up game facts guides? This was the most searched search of all time. Uh, most searched event over one day. 35,000 people signed up for TiVo after this just to get a glimpse of this, I guess. Uh, wardrobe malfunction birthed from this happening and was added to the Webster's Dictionary in 2008. Everyone was talking about this. In fact, USA Today reported that jewelry stores and piercing studios saw increased customer interest in silver sunburst-shaped nipple shields. Yep. YouTube co-founder Jawed Kareem, I know I'm mispronouncing that, uh, revealed that his frustration at not being able to easily find a video of the clip uh, provided inspiration for the creation of YouTube and later Vivo. And the launch of Facebook commenced three days following the incident and a potential attempt to capitalize on its publicity through social networking. This event changed the world as we know it. Dang. That's amazing. Isn't it, though? Over one freaking nipple. Damn. Her nipple uh, destroyed society. Good job, Janet Jackson. So my last the Jackson family. So my last question is: How jealous do you think Triple H is? Because she had the longest nipple. (laughs) 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 Stephanie, I need to do my own wardrobe malfunction. Hunter, your nipples are already exposed. Then I need a new one. Give me the third nipple. Nipple I'll be truly be dry. (laughs) Oh gosh. 
Oh man. Well, it's my nipples. I'm gonna move this strap and show you my other one. Yeah. Oh, well, let's get started with some fake fights and some pro wrestling, shall we? <laughs> Are you sure we're not gonna continue Jackson cast? Uh, I, I, if you want to. <laughs> so up next, we're gonna talk about Janet Jackson's starring role in the Nelly Professor Two: The Clumps, a 2000 film. No, I'm just kidding. I forgot she was in that movie until you said that. How could you forget Denise? Denise Gaines. <laughs> yeah, I'm living for my beef in your taco. <laughs> yeah, show me a titty, Janet Jackson. <laughs> There's a deleted scene where Sherman's like, now, Ms. Ms. Uh, Denise, I got you a, a gift. And he opens a box, and it's like a little half-sun nipple shield. Oh, thank you, Sherman. And he just says, February 2004. <laughs> She's like, what are, you, what are you talking about? In the Super Bowl. <laughs> he just knows. <laughs> Anyways, wrestling time. <laughs> All right. Oh, I think we should introduce ourselves, shall we? Uh, I'm Levi. Yeah. Next to me is Kyle. Say hi, Kyle. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you who I am. That's not my name. If you're, you if, you're listening to this, if you're listening to this the, for the first time, then screw you. We don't want your listens. Get out of here. No. And of course, to my left is that good old Jake R. It's Jake. Yeah, there he is. <laughs> hey, hey, how we doing? How are you doing, everybody? I'm very excited to be here. I'm ready to turn up. And we welcome you to our review of No Way Out 2004. There's every way in, but no way out. This event took place February 14th. No, that's not true. It took place February 15th, <laughs> 2004. Oh, February 14th. Oh, dude, that's grow up. That's immature. In San Francisco, California, at the Cow Palace. Mop. And once again, I got to give you guys a little history lesson because this blew my mind. <laughs> okay, Daddy O. So the idea for the arena was inspired by the popularity of the Livestock Pavilion at the 1915 Panama Pacific International Exposition. Panama! And what that was, it was a yes. World's Fair held in San Francisco, California from February Ooh. 20th to December 4th, 1915. Its stated purpose was to celebrate the completion of the Panama Canal, but it was widely seen... Uh-oh. But it was widely seen in the city as an opportunity to showcase its recovery from the 1906 earthquake. Are you guys familiar with this? No, uh, I wasn't alive then. I remember the uh, <laughs> the 2006 earthquake when Big Show fell down. Oh, <laughs> I would believe that with his <laughs> massive girth at that time. Anyway, but sorry, the 19, Big Show. But the 1906 earthquake was a high-intensity shaking from Eureka on the north coast to the Salinas Valley, an agricultural region to the south of San Francisco Bay Area, which is tantamount to devastating fires breaking out in the city, which lasted for several days. Dang. The 1906 rupture propagated both northward and southward for a total of 296 miles. Shaking was felt from Oregon to Los Angeles and as far inland as central Nevada, resulting in the death of more than 3,000 people. So when you think of the Cow Palace, you got to think of the 1906 earthquake. Yeah, yeah, really uh, livening up the place with those facts. Uh, uh, Pepper Gomez, Cold, let's talk a little bit more about this guy nobody else has ever heard of. (laughs) Yeah, wasn't he that dude from the Adams Family? Shut up. (laughs) A local newspaper asked as early as May 1935, why, when people are starving, should money be sent on a palace for cows? A headline writer turned the phrase around, and thus, Cow Palace. 
there you go <laughs> okay <laughs> the ultimate lean into it it's like oh you're gonna I call know. it a cow palace it's a cow palace and it's a cow palace you poor little bastard <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna i'm gonna build it <laughs> john wayne throwing kid in river dot gif <laughs> <laughs> we are sponsored tonight by mx unleashed you guys do you have any mx unleashed memories what is mx unleashed it's like a motocross game. Oh, I, I remember right. seeing it, but like, it's one of those games that when I see it, I'm like, only like those weird kids in school would like it. Like those weird, like, hey, hey you, you like this picture of a car? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's always that one. Not, okay, not, not to knock people who are into cars, because yeah, cars are cool, but there's always that one, like, at least in the South. I don't know if there's an equivalent of where you I would, relate Jake, to that on the, such a deep level. There was always like a kid who just sounded extra dumb <laughs> and was just like into cars or something like that. And the only video games he'd ever play was like that and ATV Off-Road Fury and like big game hunting or something like that. You like this picture of a car? Okay. <laughs> Seriously. Hey dude, ain't this we cool? Like, oh, uh, sure. Teacher said something. You know what the, the gear ratio of a 1970 uh, Dodge Charger should be? No. You know what 4 plus 2 is? No. Teach, I, I specifically remember the weird kid, the weird car kid in my class. Um, it was just like fourth grade. Sorry to go on a tangent, but it was fourth grade, and it was when PT Cruisers were new and really, really popular. Oh, my gosh. And my grandma had a PT Cruiser. And yeah, they're huge. PT Cruiser, am I right? Oh, but they had... um that one that was like special kind of like throwback edition that had false like wood paneling on the side just kind of oh like God, a station yeah. wagon and i swear like we brought it up in class like the teacher did and he just kept freaking bringing it up like oh yeah i love it that's the, that's the woody wagon pt cruiser i love the woody wagon pt cruiser <laughs> you just wanted I, to I, say woody I, I want the woody wagon P he just wouldn't stop saying woody wagon and just piss me off jim ross said here. you want to take a trip on my woody wagon <laughs> Cowboy hat smile emoji. <laughs> Anyways. Why do we talk yeah, no. about Jim Ross so much on SmackDown exclusive pay-per-views? I don't understand. I don't know. He's an easy target in his old age. I already made one. I, hey, I made a, a Taz joke. I mean, I'm trying to stick with it. I'm staying yeah. on format. Folks, before before we started recording, we were seriously on like a 30-minute JR riff. <laughs> Just about his craziness. Anyways. Oh. So to answer your question, oh. Levi, no, I don't really have any any memories of that game playing it personally. Just the nerdy kids that like pictures of cars, dude. <laughs> I, I, oh my gosh, I knew so many of those kids. Seriously, yeah. Jake, was there any equivalent up where you live? Yeah, I mean, we still have those kids. I mean, it's not as though like Eugene and Springfield are are like some highfalutin place. I mean, there it's a logging town, so I definitely have ah. a lot of those. Hey, let's head up in the woods and take our four wheelers and see how far into trouble we can get. And then, <laughs> and here's the thing I don't understand: it's like I grew up on the West Coast, and for some reason, the people, that, the people that live in the rural areas of Oregon, Washington, they all talk like this, like they've been out in the the middle of the country. From where the did they get the that last... accent from? Exactly, where did the accent come from? You guys do. You guys are in Ashland. Like, get out of here. Get out of my face. <laughs> He's from Topeka. 
I, re I do remember uh, as a game similar and having to play it with my coincidentally my country cousin from uh, Eastern Oregon. He he had like the snowmobile game on PlayStation, and that's like the closest I ever got. But I was like, why are we playing a snowmobile race game when there's a a thousand perfectly good car racing games that we could be playing? <laughs> Man, I hate that when someone wants you're at someone's house and they want to play some weird obscure game and you and it's sitting right <laughs> there the really game good you want to play. Yeah, like, you want you want to play this? We're, I'm really good at it, and you've never tried, so I'm gonna win. <laughs> and then you run out of time, and you're like, "What the fudge? Why didn't we play any of that game?" <laughs> I wanted to play Cruising USA. <laughs> I remember going to some kid's house. It was like my stepdad's old boss. We went to his house, and he had a PlayStation One, and the only games he had was like some hunting game, like three old Madden games, and Mortal Kombat Four. And so I was like, "Well, I guess we're just gonna play Mortal Kombat all night." <laughs> I thought you were going to say, and nope, we played Madden. <laughs> we play, uh, I think I tried version. once and was like, I have no idea how this works. It's boring. Hey, Kyle, I need you to say EA Sports. It's in the game. EA Sports. It's up my butt. Oh. <laughs> anyway, our theme song tonight is Crossing Borders by Ray Mysterio. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I, I'm, I'm having trouble remembering the lyrics. Hey, Rey Mysterio, crossing borders. Hey, I'm Rey Mysterio, crossing borders. I have a hard time believing that because every time I hear that song, I, I have to say, or something. I have to say, and it's because of you. Life is hard, man. La vida es dura. Gotta That's believe in yourself, sin dura. <laughs> Life is hard. La vida es dura. Gotta believe, man. Such a bad theme. So we're underway with the show, and... This threw me for a loop because Whoa. I have never seen a show start like this. It's a cold open. Cold open. Sable and Tori Wilson. So weird. I'm going to flip to the Diva Inspector, and I don't care how accurate you are with this rundown. What happened here? Oh, gosh. I, I honestly can't remember for the life of me. <laughs> it's just basically I, both of them coming out and being like, hey, guys, it's SmackDown pay-per-view, and we're going to fulfill your deepest wishes. Implying we're going to be naked, but no, we're not. We'll right? do anything we want, everything yeah. in the world. I'm going to get naked, but none of you are going to see it because I'm going to take a shower and go home. We're going to flash our buttholes. <gasps> this month in Playboy, you must buy it. <laughs> so, yeah, they basically. Do a new Playboy spread. It's just them just like looking at you, just like pointing, like, look at the <laughs> so that, that'd be the that'd be the hustler spread. <laughs> WWE divas this month in hustler. Ugh. Yeah, so basically, Sable and Tori have posed for Playboy, and uh, got to get them on the show. Yep. Women are property. WWE. One thing WWE I, property. One thing I do want to note here is there is a rumor that's <laughs> propagated by Tass saying, "I've been looking at that magazine all day, my friend." And apparently, allegedly, that was a rib on Jerry Lawler because he was caught off camera looking at that magazine. <laughs> well, I mean, that doesn't me, surprise me. That's on brand to, for King. I mean, yeah. And it's like, I know it's like coworkers, but it's like when they just flaunted around so much, it's like you have to imagine that everybody backstage looked. Go Ducks. There's that one episode. There's that one that's like the pay per view or whatever. 
remember uh, i think it was the uh, the sex oils and sex lotions you know with jimmy <laughs> yeah. noble sex bucks and he was looking at wasn't he looking at, he was looking at tori's spread yeah and um yeah he was like there's a point when he's flipping through it and like the camera actually caught and he was legitimately looking at it the camera actually caught a glimpse of a titty for a second do you think vince probably told him to actually look though maybe you gotta actually look you gotta look pal hey i just want to read the the comics i think they're kind of funny no look at the titties <laughs> Man, that's what gets me off <laughs> all right that gets my rocks off pal Hey, uh, Tori Wells, let's have a story where you give me an open mouth kiss. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. So, Tori, in this uh, vehicular branded entertainment vehicle, we tell stories. And I'm thinking, for our next pay-per-view, Great Balls of Fire 2. Electric Boogaloo. You're going to hop on my junk. <laughs> Live on give camera. Give I gotta boost these ratings. Ah, oh, next WrestleMania, I'll show you on my dick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not asking you. I'm what? telling you. Get on my junk. <laughs> oh, God. Like, I'm, okay, this has to be happening in the ring because I'm imagining this in my head happening backstage and it's just scary. <laughs> but it's happening in the Thunderdome. That's why you can talk so quietly. <laughs> Nobody can, nobody, nobody's here, Tori. It's just you and me. Oh, so y'all are we'll doing lizard the, old man. We'll turn off all the screens, Tori. Turn them all off. No one it's, can see a thing. It's like he's just old and stupid. Turn off the screens, it. <laughs> they can still see him. Uh, Vince, they can still see. <laughs> all right, so before we go forward, uh, this gets my three-minute warning skit of the night. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I know it's extreme, but uh, I it, it wasted my time. So they don't do anything. They just come <laughs> out and talk about nothing. They don't even put the show over. It was like, hi everybody. <laughs> I feel like sometimes the three minute warning skit of the night is it's almost reserved for divas, even though it's not. It just kind of happens to fall into their laps, and uh, it it just felt right, like Lita would say. I've been here before. Another title defense. Beat the man senseless. One, two, three. Then leave as I entered the WWE Champion. Maybe I'll take my time and have a little fun. Then I'll move on to the real challenge. I thought maybe I'd give you this ticket, and, uh, Bill, don't do anything I wouldn't do. Goldberg with a front-row ticket to No Way Out. Mi familia broke my heart. They turned on me. Mi sangre, my blood. I used to fight for them. Then I fought against them. Now, I fight for myself. I've been here before into a corner another huge obstacle time to make a choice eddie it's really sad you've overcome all those demons only to be destroyed by the biggest demon of them all i'm brock lesnar you're not fighting the odds eddie me. i've beaten legends great ones phenoms you are no one no one just seem to be a bit 
Unified Brock. You lost your focus? You're not gonna be facing Eddie Guerrero, one opponent tonight? Yeah, that's me! Latino Heat! Latino Heat! I've been here before. Been here before, is See it? the man sent for it. to a corner! Another huge obstacle! Then leave as I enter. Time to make a choice! Home! The WWE Champion. They say there's no, no way. way out. Out. I can think of at least one. I can think of at least one. Can you? Can you? It's it. And now, SmackDown presents WWE No Way Out. package features the story of Brock versus Eddie. The story here being Lesnar is just bugging out over Goldberg and is looking past Eddie, whereas Eddie is going to give everything to win the WWE Championship. Brock says, you defeated all your demons, only to be defeated by the biggest one. And Eddie says, this Sunday, you won't be facing Eddie Guerrero, but Latino heat. Ah. <gasps> What'd you guys think about this opening it. package? I quite liked it. I loved it. Yeah, it was good. It was some good it. stuff. I, I mean, yeah, it's it it really it's a one sh match show, and they yeah. just kind of lean into it, and they're like, okay, this is why this is why everyone's here: Eddie Guerrero and Brock Lesnar. This is why we're here. This is why you you paid for the pay per view. You know it. I know it. That's why we're here. Enjoy. And they did a really nice job with it. We get big pyro. We're here at the Cow Palace, Kyle. Can you describe the set to our listeners? It's like a, it's it's kind of like it's weird. It's like kind of like one of those sets where it looks like a bunch of just kind of like metal scaffolding, but instead of scaffolding, it's a bunch of interlinked chains, and that's kind of neat. And then there's the big old padlock with the WWE scratch logo in it. Pretty good, pretty good set. I like it. This is the the show before WrestleMania. It's got it. It's got some flavor to it. It's really easily identified. I don't know. I think it's good. This is one of the, this is one of those stages I always remember being in like the video games. I don't right. know why it always stood out to me. I guess just because the big lock. It's real similar, if not identical, to last year's No Way Out, which is also the first pay per view officially that Jake joined us on. Yay! <gasps> no way out for we Jake. <laughs> we got one whole year of Jake with us. Ew. Yeah, gross. Oh. Rikishi and Scotty Too Hotty take it on the Basham Brothers and Shaniqua. So this match has actually been a couple of months in the making. Too Cool was slated to face the Bashams on several occasions on SmackDown, but the Bashams would attack them before the match. Or Too Cool would just be victim of circumstance, such as Rikishi and Scotty facing each other for a Royal Rumble spot. 
So the Bashams always evaded them. That is until they got a tag title shot a couple weeks ago and pulled out the win. Yeah. Ooh. Real quick question though. Sorry to cut off your momentum, but why isn't uh why isn't Lawler Jr. with them? Uh, he's in rehab. Ah, uh, no, okay. no, no, no. He's it. he's in developmental. He was in um he was in Memphis wrestling at the time. And, oh. and and probably rehab. Good gosh, I don't know when I'll bring this up again. You guys have any 03, 04 Memphis wrestling memories? I no. It it um it broadcasted on local UPN, so I I could watch it every Saturday. Oh, yeah, I didn't get out west. I did not watch that. <laughs> it it sucked, low production. But uh, King was like the top face on there, even in his old age. Uh, you had King Mabel, you had uh, Brian Lawler, uh, and and a lot of like original dudes, such as Too Cool Two. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> That that was so funny. Throwing a clip right now of it, just their, their little their spiel. That was hilarious. What did I tell you? What I want to do? Let's get these guys back out of here. Walk around talking about two cruises. Yeah. After what they pull with Dundee, here they are. Yeah. Man, you guys are something else. I'm gonna tell you one thing. Dundee's got something in store for both of you. I bet. You. Let me tell you something, Shorty. You out here talking about. What Dundee's got in store for us? Look at us. We're what's happening. We're former tag champs, dog. Yeah, former. You're right. Let me tell you something. I got something to say to you, Dundee. We're not in the land down under anymore. This is the hood. And if you come to the hood wrong, and you don't come to the hood correct, and you don't get too cool to our respect, you see what happens out here. We take our respect in the hood. We take it. You need to respect our fresh, man. You know what I'm saying, Shorty? Respect our fresh. Now, we from the streets, man, of UC, and we roll hard, man. You see what? Union City? Union City T.E., man. 731 represented. This ain't no Antarctica, Australia, old hood, whatever it is. This is the new class, the new hood, 2 cool 2 yeah, everybody thinks we're playtime pimping. What? Everybody thinks we're playtime pimping. Well, you took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. What do you think ain't a shorty? Huh? I ain't no shorty. Yeah, you shorty. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Cole? Hey, what I'm going to say is all we do is wrap our hood, and that's the business, dog. Yeah, playtime pimping is the word. There was a kid at our school who was dumber than a bag of rocks. You like this car picture? No. <laughs> he was a huge John Cena fan. He would always say, you can't see me. Sometimes he would do it to his crotch, though. He's like, you can't see this. We called him Rick Dog. And so anyway, out of the blue, out of the blue one day, he started saying, and that's the business, dog. <laughs> and everyone didn't know what that meant. There became a huge stretch where I just stopped watching Memphis Wrestling. But one day I, st- I decided to tune in. And I heard Too Cool 2 say, that's the business dog. And I'm like, that's oh. where he got it from. <laughs> so that's lame. Dog. The thing is, with, like, with Too Cool, it's like they're fun because they're just like kind of cartoonish and fun. But like those guys were more serious. and But they're just like 10 times wider and lamer. The funny thing about Too Cool Boy. is like they never got over uh, for a long time when they were like Scott Too Hot and brian too sexy christopher like no one no one cared 
and they kept trying this whole thing and then they switched to the the hip-hop gimmick they started wearing outlandish shit and all of a sudden people are like oh yeah these guys are cool <laughs> they're too cool these guys <laughs> what, they dance look at these guys they dance and they kick ass that guy and now they got dance. a big old samoan with them who's this big samoan dude his ass is ginormous. <laughs> he kicks ass too. And he can dance. You're and encapsulating can... my feelings very well. <laughs> and then I then I had to make uh, It's like little boy. You know, it's like little boy Levi just watching TV. I, I don't know if you guys were able to do this, but on No Mercy, you could change the intro and make it so it was whatever characters you want to do the, the too cool dance. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> of course. So I I put me in instead of Rikishi with like me, Lita, and like the rock doing the two <laughs> I did me and all my friends too. <laughs> Wait, I said two. That implies that you're friends with the rock and Lita. Yes, I was gonna let it go. <laughs> but the, it's funny that you say that because I feel like that No Mercy animation captured the imagination of so many people, myself included. Because last night I'm watching No Way Out, catching up on my notes, and it's to the part where they win and my wife comes in and she says it's not the cartoon dance it's not the same and i'm just like wow i cannot believe you just said that there there's some truth to that despite the fact that they don't dance but i'll get into that later so many people like really dug that little animation mhm mhm it's why people it's why people tuned into smackdown like it was one of the reasons i watched smackdown was to see too cool so here we go we start out here with scotty dancing to distract and he grabs a tilt the world head scissors to Danny Basham. Oof. And it was yeah, he he stuck him right in the mat with that one. You could sure. say he bashed him. Oh. I don't know what went wrong there, but yeah, he about landed on his head. I think Danny didn't rotate enough. We get Rikishi and Doug Basham with a hard clothesline keeping the champs in control. Shaniqua gets pulled in. You think she's going to get a stink face, but she gets pulled away just in time. Scotty comes back in, and Shaniqua gets a cheap shot as he's going for the worm. Huge clothesline Ooh. by the Amazon. She's looking she's looking fit, too. Yeah, she looks good. But Shaniqua comes in and hits a kick to the ribs and a slam to Scotty too hotty. As Scotty being my favorite wrestler at one time, that felt satisfying <laughs> to say. <laughs> right. I don't know what it was about that, but yeah. But luckily for Scotty, he managed to hit a Spagingo! Oh, yeah! Which allows what the hot man? tag to Rikishi! The quiche is unleashed! <laughs> with with bacon and egg? <laughs> there you go. Were you... Dude, I make, I, make good, I make good quiche. I make little mini quiches. They're really good. Rikishi comes in with the Dusty Rhodes offense here. The, oh, you come to me and I'll hit you, daddy. Yeah, he stands there and waits. The best part, my favorite part of this is when Doug goes in for the headbutt and knocks himself silly because it's just, it upholds kayfabe that you're, you don't headbutt a Samoan because if you do, their heads are so hard, you'll knock yourself out. That's why the Samoans use a headbutt. And if you headbutt a Samoan, it, it only hurts you and it doesn't hurt them. It's a fun wrestling thing. Like if you headbutt a Samoan, it's going to hurt you. It won't hurt them. The DDT connects to Danny. Then Shaniqua jumps on Rikishi's back. He slams her off his back and attempts the rump shaker, or the bonsai drop, if you will. He also pulled out one of her uh, one of her braids. He sure did. Jeez. 
And he slurped it up like spaghetti noodle. It was gross. He's like, Big Show's like, hey! <laughs> Rump Shaker, it's broken up by a double power bomb off the top ropes by the Basham Brothers. Shaniqua goes for the cover, hooks the leg, but it's only good for two. I love that she hooked the leg and put the shoulder down. She's going for it. Good on her. I love that commentary made a big deal of it, too. They're like, well, what happens if she wins, Cole? Like, who's she going to be a teammate with? It almost kind of like tipped the hand that they weren't going to win. Scotty clotheslines both Bashams off the apron to the outside, leaving Shaniqua to take a Samoan drop in the ring. Ooh. This is followed by the rump shaker, my goodness, to Shaniqua to retain the WWE Tag Team Championships and the win for Too Cool. Kyle, what do you think about this match? Eh. <laughs> uh, you know, it was it was fine enough, I guess. I don't know. I didn't. I wasn't really into it to be honest. And the Bashams just don't excite me. Like I don't know. Like when a when there's a good tag team match, it's like I always feel like there's momentum. But in a bad tag team match, I feel like you always get those points where, you know, one guy will just slam a dude down all boring and then kick him a bunch and then tag out and like the other guy will do the same thing basically and that's kind of what we had some in here from them so i don't know thumbs down for me honestly <laughs> maybe it's the rose colored glasses of me getting to see too cool but yeah I, I was excited to see him in the ring i'm always happy when they get to keep the titles because too cool always felt like the team that would hold them just long enough to lose them they were like the old enzo and cast like they would get right to the precipice right to the peak of the mountain and not quite get there or they would get there and then immediately have it taken away from them so for them to to retain over a team that had the numbers advantage and also was known for cheating to win and they they get away reasonably clean i i was very happy to see that so thumbs up for me i almost echo that sentiment i had the vhs of this back in the day and i just love too cool i love seeing him i loved it then but now I'm just like thumbs in the middle. And I think <laughs> I think maybe I see Rikishi differently because I think yeah. he's just a weird guy in real life. And so see, I don't know any of that. So I see I like I saw Scotty as kind of a weirdo in this match. Well, here's the thing. In his Hall of Fame speech back in I don't know when it was, but he left out too cool. And he owes so hmm. much of his success to those guys, and they were hurt All by of it, that. Really? Yes, they were hurt by that, and so I'm just like, uh, and also his TNA run where he thought he was bigger than everybody and buried Bobby Roode. It's just, why are you doing this, man? And I will say, Rikishi's not long for this world, such as his WWE run. I think he's up in 04. As you can see, he's bigger than he usually is. Like he's oh, like we call Bubba Ray fat like all the time but he's obese he, yeah he's <laughs> he's, not, he's not moving like he used to am i wrong you know he's doing the old come to me whereas he would have ran in clothesline in the past he's getting lazy it's it's just kind of sucks that he's being a prima donna and he's you know resting on his samoan heritage you know i'm the rock's cousin and all that sort of stuff it just sucks i think I, he's often Sika's lineage he is but everyone claims to be the rock's cousin Oh, fair enough. That that's that's just where I'm coming from, and I I hate that I have those feelings, but it is what it is. Rikishi follows me on Twitter though, so there you go. That's funny. <laughs> now, now you're gonna get nuclear heat from. Him. He's like, why'd you say that stuff on your podcast about me, brother? But all I'll say is it was fine. 
I love Too Cool. The match was kind of weird, and they didn't even dance after they won the match. But, uh, you know, it's fine. It's serviceable. And I regret to inform the two of you, this is the last appearance of Shaniqua. So, Shaniqua, we hardly knew you. Apparently, you, you come back later as Jade Cargill. <laughs> apparently, oh wow. Apparently she had a, <laughs> a quote, bad attitude in the back. Uh, there are a couple of stories where, I, I feel like this can be disputed, but there are stories yeah. where uh, she was late to a show because she claimed she got held up with baggage or something in an airport. And I'm like, how does that make her have a bad attitude? But um, there is an interview. He's like losing sight of who she was. So now she is a, a high school or college basketball referee. Oh, wow. Like a very low profile life, whereas WWE is setting her up as Shaniqua. A, a pretty offensive name. It's like, let's let's find the most black name we can. Air quotations. Yeah, what? and then let's make her a dominatrix. Because th- does Shaniqua sound like Linda Miles? Do those names sound similar? I don't think so. And um, make her this dominatrix Amazon and give her a boob job. Like, it's just not who she Permanent was. swelling, Levi. Permanent swelling, Levi. Get it right. Okay, and and just for for the record, I have no idea who Linda Miles is. Can can I get can I get some backstory? Well, Linda Miles was a college athlete. She was a member of the Rutgers University women's basketball team. She graduated in 2001, and she tried out for the Seattle Storm of the WNBA. Hey, shout out Seattle Storm! But she was released during a training camp. So in 2002, she entered and won the second series of Tough Enough. So there you go. She okay. and, she and co-winner Jackie Gata, who y'all may know as Rico's manager currently. Rico. They were awarded it's, developmental it's, contracts it's, it's, it's. in the uh, in WWE. And she was Linda Miles for a while. Mm-hmm. She became this dominatrix character as we have seen played out here and there. She resides in Cincinnati substitute teacher for Cincinnati Public Schools and she works as a college basketball referee mm. so just like Shaniqua <laughs> same person Jake come on but that's our uh, ruthless aggression retrospective on Linda Miles you could have just said Linda Miles is Shaniqua and I would have said okay <clears throat> I thought you were just ribbing me no, I they like you, you were just referenced Linda Miles. Miles several times. I'm like, should I know who Linda Miles is? Yes, they're the same person. Oh, well, see, we've been referring to her as Shaniqua, her yeah, because that, name. Yeah, sorry. Oh, well, there you go. They're the same person. This Thank just in. Levi's a freaking nerd. Oh. Linda Miles also made her mark at a Cincinnati public school. Cincinnati was a star basketball player at Hughes, who went on to play at Rutgers. Then Keenan Singleton says her life really got interesting. A lot of people like to ask me, like, why'd you leave? Why'd you leave? At the end of the day, you have to know yourself. A lot of people think Linda Miles left the WWE. Shanique was just straight up Amazon. Look at her. It's more accurate to say she stayed true to herself. As a wrestler, she was Shaniqua, where she brought S&M to the WWE. Character was a dominatrix, <laughs> right? 
Mm, I, it was I, a strong I, I woman. How okay, about we take woman. that? Okay. She found she was tough enough to walk away from the fame and the fortune. After three years in the WWE, Shaniqua was no more. They're all feeding these egos that you have, and it's like, whoa, if that's not you, eventually you start to sit back and say, I'm not into these crowds. She got back into being Linda, back to the game she picked up as a seventh grader in Avondale, back to the sport that made her an All-American at Hughes and a Final Four participant at Rutgers. She's worked as an official for the last nine years, working the women's college game. It's where I want to be, it's where I want to be for the next 15 to 20 years, part of the game that has taken me around the world and given me the opportunity to be successful. And um, I still wrestle. I wrestle with my son all the time. I mean, that boy, my son loves wrestling. He'll jump on mommy's back and put me a leg lock. From the spotlight to the shadows. Everything happened the way it was supposed to. Look where she's at now. Keenan Singleton, nine on your side. We cut to ringside where there is an empty seat reserved for one man. And that man is Gary Stetson, a garbage truck driver out of California. No, uh, it's Goldberg. <laughs> Steve Austin gifted a front row seat to Goldberg, who at this point has gone on camera multiple times to tell Lesnar that he is indeed next. We have back-to-back pay-per-views with an empty seat gimmick. I guess so, yeah. I didn't even think about that. And the... Like, where's the, hey, you know what? Bill Goldberg's a big coward if he doesn't come sit in his chair right away. I feel like Taz could take on Mick Foley. He can't take on Goldberg. I think Taz could take on Goldberg. I think Taz could take on Goldberg. <laughs> I think Taz would choke out Goldberg and then suplex his dead body for fun. T- Taz, is a, Taz isn't as in shape, but he's a far better wrestler. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if Jericho can front face lock Goldberg and hold him down, Taz can <laughs> put Goldberg into a pretzel. Well, nevertheless, Stone Cold says, Don't, don't do anything I wouldn't do. <laughs> How about a hot dog? So we can only assume that some shenanigans are going to ensue. as a Jamie Noble takes on Nidia, but ooh, there's a catch. <laughs> now, Nidia, ever since I got my inheritance, you've been spending my money left and right. We're going to Applebee's! We deserve to fire things in life. Like this, this big old limo I got you to bring here today. It's all ours. We say we go inside and take a look. Running water. It's one of our all-you-can-eat buffets. <laughs> Baby, from here on out, everything's gonna be first class. Of course, we'll get married. We had the best wedding in the trailer park. You pretty much sucked me dry. If I had any sense, I'd have dumped you the second you got blind. Nidia's got the title as well. That Nidia's fucking... <laughs> 
the poor girl can't see. I know you're back on the back, all worried and scared about our big match at No Way Out. But girl, you brought this on yourself. Jamie Noble, a pathetic excuse for a human being, took his flying girlfriend and threw her into the damn ring in the harm's way. And for what? To try to win a damn match. Nitty is scared half to death. Nitty is cowering in the corner. But being the gentleman that I am, I found a way for you out of this match. Pack up all your crap and get out of my life once and for all. But wait, Nitty, wait. You're not gonna pack up everything. No, all that stuff I bought you, all your fancy clothes, and especially that $5,000 meat coat that you love so much. I want it back. I'll tell you, a real life war of the roses developing between Jamie Noble and Nydia. Nydia has regained her eyesight, making Noble pay for his ill treatment of her in recent weeks. Hey, hey! Jamie, hey. it's me, Nydia. Two months, you're gonna wrestle this match blindfolded. What? Oh! I can't wrestle blindfolded! I can't see what I'm doing! Now, Jamie, I know that you don't have a log big enough to fit in this wood chipper. Yeah. So, so I brought a little something on my own. A certain mink coat that you want very badly. Uh, well, Jamie, you want this bad? Come and get it. Oh, man. No! Just downright wrong. Looks <laughs> like roadkill. <laughs> Jamie Noble has to wrestle Lydia with a blindfold on. I'll see you on Sunday, Jamie. So, guys, we have a miracle on our hands. Nydia has her sight back. Woo! Yes! Nydia! 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 A couple of weeks ago on <clears throat> SmackDown. Noble, once again, used her to get advantage in a match, but Nydia stops in her tracks. She stops, turns around, removes her sunglasses, and throws them at Noble. She has her sight back, fellas. It's about damn time! And she is privy to what's been going on. So now, she's coming out on SmackDown and literally throwing his money around. She brings out his wallet and just throws it to the crowd. And these distractions are costing him matches. Nydia comes out on SmackDown one week and brings out a wood chipper. <laughs> Jamie Noble is vehemently saying, you need to get out of my house, but leave everything I bought you. So she shreds the $5,000 mink coat. One thing I want to note, though, is she says, you don't have a log big enough to fit in this wood chipper. And he disputes that, and I'm just thinking, like, how weird is that line? <laughs> I'm just imagining him just trying to prove her wrong, going, ah! <laughs> or, I got or a big she, pain of shit at Or is she referring to herself as a wood chipper? And if so, that's a weird way to describe yourself. Wow. Wow. When you put it that way, I'm just thinking, like, pencil sharp. <laughs> <laughs> So, J.B. Noble, he demands a match against Nydia at No Way Out. But we find out at the Woodchipper segment, the catch is 
he has to wrestle, but but blindfolded, but 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 naked. That's what <laughs> you're gonna do. I wish Jr. Woo, uh, King. When did you start liking? N- never mind. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you guys think about this opening package? I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, it was. It was pretty funny. I I dig it. I don't know. I, I... it was a high point of the match. Baby, we're going yeah, to Applebee's. We're rich. Sure. Woo. I liked all that. That was that was hilarious. The, the story leading up to this is better than the match itself, I'll say. That's fair. Let's get into that. Jamie Noble, he falls and flops around, complaining that he can't see. This allows Nitty to slap him in the face. And that's basically what this match is. He can't see, so she's toying with him. Uh, Nitty hits a drop kick and jumps on the mat a bit to throw him off. Noble manages to back her into a corner... And he doesn't realize that she's a foot in front of him. And he comes centimeters away from grabbing those puppies, JR. Woo! I know. I was like, is he going to grab her boobs and that's going to be a thing? Like, oh, there she is! Woo! You know? No. I think the spot was funny, but, like, if he had actually, like, touched her, that would have been uncomfortable. That would have been very uncomfortable. If it it was uh, 1999, it would have (laughs) been just fine in 99. We'd have been licking our lips and saying, oh, yeah, touch those puppies. <laughs> Nidia pulls his shorts down, and he's wearing tidy whities he's, oh, he's wearing big purple panties. <laughs> I grab the leg. Holla, if you hear me, hey, give those back. <laughs> <laughs> give those back? Wow. I'm just, sorry. Rest, rest in peace, Scott Steiner. In your purple panties. <laughs> rest in WWE peace, I guess. Yeah. Uh, he grabs her leg, but he doesn't get anywhere. Nidia sends him outside again. Back in, and Nidia taunts him doing the Carlton dance, I guess. Kind of cringy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> good way to describe this match. He comes in, and she trips him. Nidia finally starts beating on him and goes up to the top rope, and the referee starts counting her out for some reason. So <laughs> We J- have five seconds unless you're on top of the turnbuckle to jump in because technically you're out of the ring that's a good point okay i'll give you that this time so jamie noble he pulls up on the hood and sees where she's at and slams her down gets a guillotine choke and makes her tap for the win i'll go first here it was good for a little laugh but much to do with nothing and him not letting go of the choke made me uncomfortable so thumbs in the middle I thought this sucked. I thought it was going to suck, and it did suck. And it sucked. I hated it. I didn't like any part of it. Just the uh, this is my, package, right? This is my brother sucks. Brother sucks! Brother oh, sucks. Man. Said, you like They had the, the package going into it was entertaining, and it was a bad match, but like you said, like the extended chokehold at the end, brother sucks. We don't need that. Jake is not Jake afraid is- to bust out those brother sucks i feel like i haven't used one in a long time but he is not afraid to criticize where criticism needs to be criticized and i respect it reminded me of uh ecw one night stand 2006 when edge pinned uh beulah mcgillicuddy in a very overtly sexual pose i remember and i'm that. like I'm not cool with this. I'm fine with her taking a spear. She's been a worker for a long time. I'm fine with her taking that spear. I'm not fine with this cover. But uh, he's rated R. <laughs> yeah, it was like that's a like that's a bridge too far. That and that's that's what that's the image that came to my mind when I saw him holding on to this 
this extended MMA hold on on a woman. <laughs> if it's a bridge too far, then it must be rated R. <laughs> That's what Edge would say. Well, what would Kyle say about this? <laughs> you say it's an ultra bridge too far on this day. On this day. <laughs> um. I actually really enjoyed it. I'm going to give it a big thumbs up. Probably match of the night. No, uh, <laughs> it was really, really boring. Um, I wasn't like as like annoyed and bothered by it uh, as much as Jake. Like to me, it was just like, okay, I thought there'd be at least a little more to this, but there's not. And so, yeah, just, just thumbs down. <laughs> there's no, I mean, there's no redemption to this match. Yeah. Right? It's building up to be like, oh yeah, Nydia, we love you. And then no. Nope screw her it's like you kidding you could have like made her win and then she could have gone on like a singles run or something or at least let her let her make her lose but let her get over like have her do something silly to him at the end of the match now she just gets to be unconscious Mm -hmm. if she lost it could have been like through some kind of like screwy kind of bullshitty finish and then when jamie's like i'm celebrating i'm cool she could have like kicked him in the balls and everybody could have been happy or something yeah like yeah he cheated to win and then he, after he won, he he rubbed it in, and then there was no comeuppance for it. So Jamie Noble's just running off, being a happy good boy. And you call this person your best friend, Levi? Hey, <laughs> you, you guys hung out at the at the Circle K in Mobile, Alabama. You looked and winked and said, "I also like to beat women." And he had a big uh, Cheshire cat grin on his face. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Moving on. We cut backstage to uh, Josh Matthews. What is with his get-up in this pay-per-view? What's with this get-up always? Especially this one. It's like he's trying to be like a like a Kmart male model or something. He looks awful. <laughs> it's boy band, man. Seriously. It's like, ugh. You look stupid. Jake, can you describe the Josh Matthews fit for tonight? I, I don't have it available to me. I, uh, I, I remember it vividly. It is a bl- it's a blue turtleneck with uh, cuffs. Um, and he's got his little spiky frosted tip hair. And he looks so stupid. Like I, when I was watching him do the interviews with like, you know, these big serious dudes. I just imagine Vince is watching the monitors going like, why does he look like an asshole? Why is he doing this? He's sabotaging the product. <laughs> Tell that man to put on a damn suit. <laughs> I, I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, wow, this backstage set looks really cool. Like, I didn't even see Josh Matthews the whole time. I'm just like, wow, look at all those chains and shit. That looks cool. You're looking beyond him. I was I was looking beyond, beyond, beyond Josh Matthews. I felt like that, that's the name of his that. biography. I love that show, Beyond Belief Factor Fiction. I watch it all the time on YouTube. I love it. <laughs> I feel like his fit was so distracting that it took away from the segments. It really was. It it, it, it was distracting too. It's so weird. He it was his, it was just such a bright blue. <laughs> it just it did not look cool or tough. It's like wrestling. Yeah. Hey guys. <laughs> let me go, let me go back to it. Hang on. I just went to Macy's and got myself a new sweater. How do you like it, Brock? You think I look cute? <laughs> like shut it, the hell up, dude. It, it wasn't even in style. This oh my is... god. <laughs> Yeah, he looked so dumb. And he's like, he's got his watch pulled out from the the sleeve so everyone can see that he's got a watch. And he's got these earrings on. He forgot the the diamonds. Oh, yeah, the little diamond studs he's got. Yeah, but they're also like below the ear. They look like woman's earrings. They're weird. They're probably just like little clip-ons or something. And he like never emotes. He just stands there and sometimes he purses his lips like he's about to fart. But he's just like, Kurt Angle's sitting here cutting a promo and Josh Matthews is like, don't 
move. Just don't move. <laughs> All he can focus on is not moving. I hate Josh Matthews. For real, who who gave him a break? I don't think anybody likes him. <laughs> Kurt Angle says he's ready to go to WrestleMania, but John Cena, he comes in to say he's the kind of guy who would knock Angle out like someone did on SmackDown. But Cena, he would do it to Angle's face, and so they start fighting. Ooh. Hey, and we get that Fit Finley appearance. I like Fit Finley. As the agents break up their little schmage. He's very fit. is a tag team match as the world's quotation greatest tag team Sheldon Benjamin and Charlie Hellas take on the APA of Bradshaw and Farouk. Do you guys notice that the lower Chiron is in Comic Sans? I forgot yes. to bring that up entirely. I forgot, I forgot about that. Yeah. As the soon worst. as I watched the show, I was just like, okay. Why, yeah. why would you have this production you could choose anything, even Calibri. Any, I think Comic Sans gets a lot of hate because it's just, it's just, it's, it's so basic. Goofy. Yeah, it's like the most basic font. It's like when you click it as a kid and you're like, I want to make a fun thing on Microsoft Paint. It's like you're going to go to Comic Sans because it looks fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And with wrestling, it just looks goofy and stupid and out of place. You cannot put Comic Sans. On a wrestling pay-per-view. You just can't. Use Times New Roman. <laughs> mm-hmm. This was literally put together in three days, so if WWE doesn't care enough to build it up, then neither do I. So let's let's get into this. Let's get her dead. The crowd does not care about Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin. They're like, here they come. Everybody's like, oh, now's the time we go get soda. For the past year, we've had these matches that feel like JBL vehicles, but they just haven't really taken off yet you know they're like jbl test segments yeah it's always it's so weird like every time apa comes out it's it's more or less like bradshaw and farouk and farouk's over man people love farouk i like him better than bradshaw (laughs) i think people like farouk i i don't see it i think they like apa as a package but not that much consider like we have hindsight so we know jbl becomes somebody but at the time, they were just APA. Nothing more, nothing less. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little less. I don't know. But It's a good repackage, though, from being the Acolytes. And, and the like, Acolytes. Weren't they a member of Undertaker's ministry? Yeah. Isn't, yeah. isn't, that, isn't I that how they started the Acolytes? Ash, the Acolytes, yeah. She possessed them or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree with you. What I'm saying is... It's like what I said on our last episode. You got Hardcore Holly, Val Venus, Billy Gunn all doing the same thing from 1999, and so is the mm-hmm. APA. I was going to bring that up. Like, watching this show, I'm just, I'm seeing some of these Attitude Era leftovers, and it's just so obvious that now, like, WWE's kind of moved on from that, and it just all sticks out like a sore thumb now. Right. It's it's time to move on. 
Like I was even thinking like, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin right now, like not as a character, but like if he was just himself, like if he could still go, I, I just feel like he wouldn't fit in as much in this current landscape, you know? Ooh, that's a hot take. It's because well, it's because right now it's like there's less edge, there's less of that overt, there's you more know, badass in your face attitude, and it's more of just like a slick, kind of like wrestling show. Like it feels more like these are professionals, not like these are badasses who will kill you. You know. Anyways, that's my hot <laughs> take of the night. <laughs> Maybe oh, he definitely. Could go on Raw, but SmackDown. Yeah, yeah. Steve Austin probably would fit in still okay on Raw, but not on SmackDown. Yeah, I think that's fair. Shelton and Farouk start things off. Benjamin takes him down to start, so Farouk elbows him in the face. Bradshaw gets some forearms to Haas's back before Farouk gets sent arm first into the ring post. So now people are leaving, just walking out. <laughs> I don't blame them, man. So you got Bradshaw, he's got a bad arm, and so now does Farouk. Benjamin drops a knee on Farouk's to keep up the momentum. I don't quite remember where in the match this is said, but this line made me laugh out loud. Taz says, you want to know why they're called the world's greatest tag team? Because they are. (laughs) (laughs) That settles that. Thanks, Taz. Good input, buddy. (laughs) We get back-to-back arm bars. This has Farouk in even more trouble, but he manages to get in the spine buster. Which brings the hot tag to Bradshaw. Uh, He comes in and cleans house with a big boot and a power slam. A hard power slam gets two on Benjamin as everything just starts to deteriorate. Farouk's arm goes into the post, but Bradshaw hits the super last call on Shelton Benjamin. Ooh, super last call. He hits a clothesline from hell on uh, Charlie Haas, excuse me. Uh, But the arm gives out, allowing Shelton to nail a super kick Gets the pin for the win. Jake, what'd you think about this match? Uh, it's kind. Of, it's there. It happened. Uh, like you can definitely tell the middle of this show. They're like, "Oh shit, we're only gonna hit about two hours," and so they they started having to do stuff. And this match itself, like, it's just every time Charlie Haas is in there, he's a charisma vacuum. There's three other people that are entertaining in the ring, and then Charlie Haas ruins it all. Nobody cares, and I didn't either. I don't care enough to hate it, so thumbs in the middle. Yeah, same for me. It wasn't, like, stupid and time-wasting like the last one kind of got to be, and it didn't bore me to death, kind of like Basham Brothers. So, you know, thumbs middle. It's inoffensive and just kind of there. It's also really the only match on the on the card that doesn't have some sort of tomfoolery involved with it. Yeah. Come on, WWE, stop the tomfoolery. <laughs> I'll say thumbs indifferent if that's an option. I yeah. I could not be bothered to care at all about this match. And if you don't make me care, why would I care? The promoter didn't care. Why should we? The Royal Rumble is about to start any minute. You are the number 30 entrant, Goldberg. That gives you a pretty distinct advantage, doesn't number it? Number 30? Who cares what number Bill Goldberg is in the Royal Rumble? Didn't you just witness Brock Lesnar retaining his WWE Championship? That's all that matters to me. You should be conducting this interview with Brock Lesnar. What matters is tonight, after I go in the ring and I smash every single person involved in that Royal Rumble, and I get the opportunity to go to Mania to regain 
my title. Goldberg is on fire. Wait a minute. Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar. F5. F5's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Goldberg. What the hell is this about? Lesnar's not in the Royal Rumble match. And that's all. Oh, yeah. Kurt Angle has eliminated Goldberg. Brock Lesnar is next. I open the doors to you, Goldberg. Steve Austin has given you a front row seat. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. Oh, my God! In his mind, Goldberg didn't spear Paul Heyman. Goldberg speared Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar is afraid of no one. We cut to a video package of Brock Lesnar and Goldberg's crazy feud. You know, it's crazy in the sense that how would they feature a Raw superstar in a video package without him being there or any mention of a future match? With that being said, we cut to Goldberg arriving at No Way Out. Oh my oh. God, it's Goldberg! I guess he's not a big coward, Cole. Why does he have all that security? Why don't I have that security when I enter into a wrestling show? Why does he get that? He's just a fan. I'm He's just... also wearing the stupid Santa sleigh shirt. Oh, uh, yeah, that looks... Okay, when I first saw that, I was having a hard time telling what the front was. I thought it was like Willie Nelson or something. <laughs> Willie Seriously. Nelson? Seriously, uh, uh, look at that. Look Willie at that. Nelson! Everybody everybody, Google uh, 2004 No Way Out Goldberg and try to see his Santa sleigh shirt. Tell me that does not look like some kind of weird caricature of Willie Nelson. I immediately recognize Santa. That That's just me personally. I, I, I did not... Nelson or Santa, choose. It's Nelson. <laughs> put that on a put that on a Twitter poll. We're gonna put it on a Twitter poll. Is this Willie Nelson or Santa Claus? Do that. Put it on. Definitely make that a Twitter poll. Yeah. What do you see, Willie Nelson or Santa? Cast your vote now. Uh, I don't see Willie Nelson. I see Santa. <laughs> well, uh, when I look at your picture, I don't see Levi. I see stupid. Cause that's oh. Willie Nelson. <laughs> uh but yeah i guess we'll put a poll on our twitter and see what everyone else thinks maybe even instagram for that real <gasps> real deep dive i believe i can do a tiktok dance video where you vote oh my gosh let's see, levi does the bus it challenge <laughs> my brother-in-law did that what is bus. the bus it challenge or whatever <laughs> no we'll get sidetracked oh yeah, my god let, let's keep going okay i'll just google it Yes. Here, I'll, I'll send you some links. So Goldberg, he's in the front row, and out comes Paul Heyman to yell at him about how great SmackDown is compared to Raw, and how if he gets up, then security will take him out. So Brock Lesnar comes out and starts egging him on. You sit, sit like the bitch you are! <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. And so... Of course, Goldberg jumps the rail, and they start going at it. Which culminates into Goldberg delivering a jackhammer to Brock Lesnar in the middle of the ring at No Way Out 04. And this prompts security, who corpses to oh come God. out and arrest Goldberg. This segment makes no sense. Why? Because, okay, so you you are telling everyone that... Goldberg is a is a heel here, right? But he's working with the babyfaces 
at the same time commentary is like get him out of here he's a piece of crap i hate him brock lesnar is the good person in here and we need to get rid of bill goldberg he's the epitome of everything that is bad about people i bet he touches little boy like they're yelling on this stuff <laughs> and then like later when the eddie guerrero match happens and he comes in and everyone's like oh my god it's goldberg thank you great i'm so happy goldberg's here stupid yeah it is contradictory i don't know i guess because they they see it as it's like very narrow-minded i guess but they see it first as smackdown versus raw but then they see it exclusively as eddie versus brock good versus evil but we'll, so. we'll get more into that later for now uh the deadpan security guards arrest Goldberg. What do you, what do you think was going through the security guards' minds as they no sold all this? It's like, oh god, it's going to really lead to a really disappointing fight, isn't it? <laughs> I was thinking more like, oh, I got I got a job tonight. WWE, <laughs> that fake crap. Oh, I got I got to arrest I got to pretend to arrest a guy. I'm not even a police officer. I'm a security guy. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. I'm not even a police officer. Gosh, what am I going to tell my family? I'm At least in the attitude era, they had some dudes put on some blue shirts. But <sighs> is this is this the era where they they're using are they using local guys, local talent to be security? I mean, dudes who can bump or is Did this those guys look security? like local talent? They they looked like guys who work for the arena and were willing to <laughs> you work. You had a skinny, skinny, skinny dude, and then a really old man. Like that, that was their security, no doubt. All right, either, they either gave him some free stuff or let that old man's grandkids meet Goldberg or something like that. No, I feel like they just wanted to get in and get out. <laughs> and they probably got it. They got a hot dog and a handshake. <laughs> hot dog. But anyway, Goldberg, he's taken out. I guess that's it for Goldberg. I guess that's all we'll see of him tonight. Yep, he's definitely not coming back. It's uh, prepare for this one, cause it's the best. It's hardcore Holly. Take an order, I know. Rhino gets a kick to the ribs. He takes over, drives a shoulder in the corner. We hit the body scissors with Rhino, and he gets two on the pin. Rhino shouts a lot because no one else is. This crowd is silent. <laughs> I feel so bad for Rhino. <laughs> Same. I love Rhino. I know. Same. And the crowd loves Rhino, but they don't like this. I can't blame them. No one likes Hardcore Holly. And also, we forgot to mention that the way that Hardcore Holly started this match is that he runs out and tries to take out Brock Lesnar, misses, and just like, all right, well, I guess I'm ready for my match. Well, I guess I won't follow him. I'll just fight Rhino. He easily could have got his hands on him. He comes out, he's like, how do you like me now? Still don't. Ooh. A double closed line is good for a double knockdown. Oh, 
Holly's up first. <laughs> With a running drop kick, he goes for the pin, but only good for two. Rhino superplexes him down. He gets a pin, but it's only good for two as well. The gore <laughs> connects from Rhino. Go take a dump and get a beer. <laughs> Taz, they you're leaving? Got... <laughs> they just got back. <laughs> They just got back from taking a dump and getting a beer. Now they're getting up and going again. Okay, th- this is what I need. I need Top you to this tell boy us. Off. I need you to tell us what it would be like if Hardcore Holly versus Rhino with no build was happening on pay per view, and Taz, played by Kyle, decided he was gonna get up mid match to the concession stand, where Michael Cole, played by Jake, advised him or tried to advise him that. That may not be a good idea. And go. Oh, Cole, I gotta say, this match is boring as hell. I'm gonna <laughs> get up and uh, I'm gonna go uh, get a hot dog and uh, what, you, you're do a we, we got a body scissors right here. We got a great move going on. Uh, Rhino controlling the match in the middle of the ring, but my broadcast colleague Taz has apparently Taz, get back here. Has apparently left the broadcast, and I, I can see him now. He's got a hot a hot dog and what appears to be a Red Hook beer. I call. I got a good deal of it. You should get some. Well, uh, meanwhile in the ring, uh, uh, gore, gore, gore. Taz, did you see the gore? No. <laughs> Taz. Shut up! I'm trying to take a dump now. Taz. I should have taken one, my microphone two, off. Oh, I almost had a Taz. Shut up! Ah! <laughs> oh, and now we go to our, our uh, um, Spanish broadcast colleagues, Hugo Savinovich and Marco Stan- Sanchez. Yo estoy corriendo en el parque. Mi nombre es Bicicleta. Uno, dos, tres, cinco, cinco, cinco. Yo estoy corriendo en el parque. Dump in cerveza. Hugo, I'm going to leave. I need to get a un cerveza y take a pupu. Donde está la cuchi? Oh god, no! It's like it's like Spanish uh, king. Ooh, was that Joey? Yeah, Joey. Spanish Next, Joey now. Spanish Joey. <laughs> so the gore connects, but sends Holly outside for a count of nine. He gets back in at the very last second. Reversal. Heck yeah, love hardcore Holly. Reversal into an Alabama slammer is good for the pin. And there you go, hardcore Holly wins. What a I, I just hate the Alabama slam as a finish. It's so boring. It was even worse when one of the Bellas was using it. Mm-hmm. They were? Yeah, one of the Bellas used the Alabama slam as her finish, and it did not look good. I don't remember that. I can't for the life of me remember which, because they bored the hell out of me. They look the same. They're twins. So, Kyle, what did you think about this Trip. match? Oh, man. Ten out of ten. No, it was really uninteresting and boring and just it was so basic like bob holly is like he's a guy that if you need a warm body in a battle royal he's your dude but like you put him on a pedestal it's just it's boring and so i I gotta give a thumbs down i was not into this despite rhino being in this match and my love for rhino this match is trash awful boring everything everything you don't like about wrestling is this match And it's just, it's a snoozer and I hate it. And it's a thumbs down. I'm going to say thumbs boring and uninspired. I know that's not a real thumbs meter, but uh, that's how I feel about this match. I have no positive thoughts about it. It was lazily thrown together. 
and the kiss of death to any hope you had of Hardcore Holly hanging in the main event. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I want this nowhere near me. Interesting. Rey Mysterio, Chavo Guerrero, but the parameter about outside the ring. You got Roy Piaz in Rey Mysterio's corner. Chavo Sr. in his in his son's. What? Wait a minute. What the hell is this? Calculations are correct. It's just 28 days till WrestleMania. A happening occurs. The Titan Tron goes staticky and the lights go out. <gasps> and a very subliminal sort of message video starts playing. Kyle, can you describe what this video looked like? Uh it was using a lot of like familiar Undertaker package stuff, like the big. Is that what that was? Stuff. Was it the Undertaker, Bobby Lashley, So Cold? A I lot of flashes of the Undertaker, you know, eyes rolled the back of the head, and a lot of spooky text and stuff. You know, heavily, heavily <laughs> implying that classic Taker's coming back in Mania. So, uh, so yeah, the Undertaker, he is apparently coming in 28 days where the dead will rise again, playing on that tagline for WrestleMania 20, where it all begins again. I never Ow. really got that tagline, but... Uh, maybe. Would you like me to explain it to you? Sure, go ahead. Well, after 20 years, uh, WrestleMania started at uh, at the um, Madison Square, and so 20 years later, they were returning to Madison Square Garden, and with the, the new wrestling era really taking off with the ruthless aggression they felt that it was a good time for it to say you know where it all begins again yeah fair it, enough implying like it begins because it's a new generation get it t yeah they're trying to be clever but they're being wwe wwe it's it's kind of it's i get it but it's kind of hey guys <laughs> you hold on tight we gotta go to commercial Side-scrolling time traveler. Go back in time with games like Mario Brothers, Donkey Kong, The Legend of Zelda, Pac-Man, and more. The classic NES series only for Game Boy Advance. Rated E for everyone. Patriots fans, your team just won the Super Bowl. And now, direct from the NFL shop, you can own the Patriots Super Pack. The official championship cap and t-shirt worn by players and coaches during the post-game celebration. And the official Super Bowl 38 DVD capturing all the thrilling championship moments. Call 1-877-NFL-SHOP and own a piece of Patriots history. Get the official hat, t-shirt, and DVD for only $69.99. Call 1-877-NFL-SHOP or go to SuperBowl.com now. You don't have it, and where will I find it? Where 
when you can't seem to find a baseball that's been signed that's on eBay. A new toy you can find, the men's suit that's silk lined that's on eBay. Phones that ring, organize a thing, jazz or swing, nice bling bling. That's on eBay. Buy today and it's on its way. Other users say you will feel okay. That's on eBay. Yes, I did it and I'll do it up. Blue, a fusion of berries with a splash of cola. Pepsi Blue, it's a blue thing. Support for the Ruthless Aggression podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. They are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Now, since we're talking about 2004, let's talk about ball care in 2004. Yeah, you know, I'm not talking about basketballs, I'm not talking about footballs, I'm talking about testicles. Alright, if you were like me way back then, you had that like little pair of scissors that you had to be really careful with, and sometimes, maybe sometimes, you yeah, get a little too close. Ooh, that hurts. But that is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. And let me tell you folks, when you're getting up in it, it definitely matters. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. This battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. You could shave Albert, the A-Train, if you needed to, but you might have to charge it once. It's only it's a 90-minute charge. I charge it because I think I should. I don't, I've never run out of battery with my lawnmower. The Lawnmower 3.0 has waterproof technology that allows you to groom in the shower, which is the best place to do it because you don't have the cleanup. They've also upgraded to 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about that charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. This sits right there in the corner. If you're listening to me speak right now, and you have balls, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself, or first ball for yourself. Trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code RUTHLESSPOD at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code RUTHLESSPOD at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the promo code RUTHLESSPOD. Now. Back to the show.
The next match is a WWE Cruiserweight title match as Chavo Guerrero with Chavo Guerrero Sr. takes on Rey Mysterio with that one boxing guy with the weird hair. hate to see this. Rey Mysterio got all bent out of shape and said that we had something to do with jumping Uncle Eddie, but we had nothing to do with it. I'm starting to have a problem with Rey Mysterio. Hey, hey. I mean, he's got his music video and SmackDown Magazine. He's wearing a mask. I don't hide behind a mask. I'm proud of my Latino heritage. And no way out. What I'd like to do is have Rey Mysterio defending the Cruiserweight Championship against Chavo Guerrero. Chavo and his father are a bunch of cowards. But this Sunday at No Way Out, my boy Jorge Paez, two-time world champ, dos veces campeón mundial. He's gonna be watching my back. If they want to play by those rules, then only bring it. At No Way Out, we're gonna be ready. Everything I have, I've earned. I'm gonna beat down that chumpy Chavo better bring everything he's got because I will. Then I'm gonna take his cruiserweight title and then I'm gonna take his mask. Get no way out, it's on. My dad, he's gonna beat the hell out of Jorge Paez. It's on. On the heels of the Guerreros battling at Royal Rumble, the following SmackDown, Chavo vows to get revenge on Eddie. As Eddie is slated to compete in the 15-man Royal Rumble on SmackDown, it's discovered that Eddie has been attacked backstage. Wow, this is weird. I'm actually explaining a backstory. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> Ray is checking on him along with agents and medical staff, and then you see Chavo and Chavo Classic in the background. And it can only be assumed that they did this, so Ray jumps them. And I will say, although it's implied... And Chavo denied attacking Eddie. Eddie is stretchered out, you know, hardcore style and every, and everything. But he competes later that night in the Royal Rumble and he wins. 
Like, he doesn't sell any sort of injury. Right. This is never addressed again, to my knowledge. Chavo, over the following weeks, talks about his disdain for Mysterio, how he hides under a mask, and he wants his belt. So, here we are. So, Jake, who the heck is Jorge Paez? Who the heck is Jorge Paez, and why should you care about Jorge Paez? Honestly, the, the short answer is... You shouldn't like Jorge <laughs> Paez. Like I, I did some research on him, and he is a small fighter, featherweight, lightweight dude. Um, but he, he is exactly perfect for the WWE. This seemed to me to be one of those like, see if you can get out on your own name, and if you can, we'll bring you on sort of deals. I mean, he had a very successful boxing career, uh, fifty-two knockouts, not including the one he has on Chavo Classic. He he was a uh, the what they called the clown prince of boxing. He was a showman. He would do this big wind up with one hand and then punch you with the other hand. He would dance around the ring all the time. He had this crazy hairstyles. Like he would shave all of his hair except for like the letters of the person he was fighting in the back of his head. Have that little tuft thing out front. Like the guy was just absolutely off the wall and very entertaining. Uh, started as a circus performer, and his nickname, El Maromero, uh, was a reference to the somersault trick he would do in the circus. But outside of that, Jorge Paez has nothing to do with um, with anything in pop culture. Other than being in the music video to Crossing Borders by Rey Mysterio. I forgot he was in there! <laughs> mm. Everyone watched that, dude. Like what's just what what do they just like happen to stumble across him and they're just like hey he's a Hispanic dude let's just bring him in to be in Ray's corner or is like Ray a fan of him or something like what's the connection it's just weird that they just suddenly bring him in and he's from Baja California so he may have he may have had that uh, Bay Area support and Ray Mysterio you know he's he's who's jumping out the sky R E Y it could just be you know trying to capitalize on the um hispanic market because they're really going all in with eddie and you know they're in socal they're in socal right i mean cow palace yeah that's not southern no it's not that's northern well it's california you know NorCal. but um so here we go so armor goes nowhere um ray speeds with a drop kick to the floor so both men are tussling on the floor we get back in and chavo nails a gut buster he goes for the pin but only gets two Chavo's armbar doesn't get him anywhere as Ray hits a quick 619. He attempts the West Coast pop, but Chavo Classic breaks it up. More like the West Coast flop, am I right? <laughs> and I absolutely love this spot. Aww. Ha ha! <laughs> no. And I love this spot as Jorge Paez <laughs> takes exception and comically lands a left hook to the jaw of Chavo Classic. It's like such a big cartoonish hook, too. I loved it. The wind-up by Paez and the sell-by Classic was just too hilarious. That was his deal, man. He would do that in the boxing ring, too. He would wind up the, the, the right and then throw the left. That's awesome. I don't get why, but this leads to Paez's ejection. Because the referee saw it. Yeah, but they're managers. Yeah. They're not in the match. But, yeah, well, Still, I mean, it's a distraction. Get out of here. That sort of thing. Yeah, whatever. A big dive takes Chavo down, and Ray gets two off a roll-up back inside. Ray goes up, but Chavo reverses into a super gut buster, which looked like it could go wrong, but it looked amazing. 
So he comes off of the top rope. He's in a military press position and just lands Ray from the top rope to the mat on a gut buster. My goodness. A half-crab version of the Lion Tamer stays on the ribs in a tilt-a-world gut buster. So getting that gut worked over. With Chavo being a similar build to Ray, it still looks painful when he gets him in that half-crab. But it reminded me of Kurt doing it, where he can just pretzel Ray however he wants. So I was just reminded of how it could look better. But that's no fault to Chavo at all. Ray finally gets in the sit-out bulldog for two, and you can see him having trouble breathing from the ribs. Head scissors sends Chavo shoulder first into the post, and Ray manages to get a front-facing Russian leg sweep, or as I like to call it, the stroke by good old Double J. Now oh, shut up. I hate the freaking knockoff Kid Rock theme. <laughs> <laughs> they head to the apron with a DDT, and Chavo starts ripping at the mask. Another 619 connects, but the springboard seated Centon is rolled through into another half crab. Ray grabs the rope to break the hold. Chavo brings him out and continues to hold on, and so the referee reprimands him for that. You know what I don't like about the mask thing? Like, he, he made a big deal out of it, and then didn't... Like, he yeah, he tried to take the mask off, but at no point did he ever really try to take the mask off. Not really, no. Yeah, it makes sense. He figured at the at the end he would want to take it off. Oh, spoilers, T. So as the referee is yelling at Chavo, this allows Senior to shove Ray off the top and allows Chavo to grab a roll-up, grab the tights. You see Ray's little butt crack for the pin and a win the Cruiserweight Championship. Uh, and I'll go first. Thumbs up. I can't be mad at this match. It had some great high spots, and I laughed out loud when Paez knocked out Chavo Classic. Yeah, uh, pretty pretty good thumbs up for me. Not like the biggest thumbs up in the world. Uh, certainly the first like bona fide good match of the night. Yeah, but I don't know. It, it didn't like it didn't like blow me away. I I enjoyed it. You know, just a soft thumbs up. It's definitely the beginning of the uptick in this in this pay-per-view. Because up until this point, I mean, I was excited coming into this pay-per-view from what we'd seen last month. But, I mean, the first few matches were not good. And this mm-hmm. is the first good match that we've seen tonight. And the crowd starts to liven up a little bit with these two. And, yeah, you, you bring in Piaz's punch and just the little... It was so fast. The thing I liked about Classic's involvement is it wasn't one of those... Oh my God, he hit him. And now Rey Mysterio is lying dead in the middle of the ring for 45 minutes. He's got the cover. No, don't do it. Not this way. Not this way. It was just boom, shoved him off the rope. Quick cradle. One, two, three. I'm out of here. Can't, ar- can't argue with that, daddy-o. After the match, both Chavos hang outside Eddie's locker room and are interviewed by Josh, Josh Matthews. Matthews. Wah, wah, wah. And you know, this time I was determined. Like, I'm, I'm not paying you any attention, Josh Matthews. I'm going to listen to Chavo, close my eyes, and see what they have to say. <laughs> they taught that time I had to be interviewed by Josh Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now that you said it. Now that you said it. We got a match coming up this month against Joe Swanson. This reminds me of the time I got interviewed by Josh Matthews. All right, we're backstage with Joe Swanson. Uh, Joe, you haven't had the use of your legs in seven years. How are you going to compete in the ring? 
Hey, Bonnie. I ain't got no legs. <laughs> hey, Bonnie. <laughs> this Peter. little twerp over here thinks he's tough. Well, how about I show him what a tough guy is? <laughs> what are we doing? So, anyway. Chavo uh, Jr. is absolutely taunting hey, Eddie Guerrero on how he's an addict, he's always going to be an addict, and that he has a monkey on his back, and that monkey will prevent him from winning the title. Are you saying that he's a crack addict? That's right, he's a crack addict! I wish that was returning here in a month at WrestleMania 20, but something else is, I just can't say. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh! Washington looks, you came to box a nigga that's flat out dirty. Just name the spot and I'll be there a half hour early. I write for the purpose to express a few nigga that's wack. It's a number one contender's match. That's good, I will take off the back Before the match, we see a tale of the tape that features their stats and under career highlights. I liked how John Cena said PhD in thugonomics. That was so good. That, that made me teehee. It's crazy to think of seeing a storied career and attach nothing to it. But, you know, it's still early. As they come out, John Cena busts a freestyle here at No Way Out 2004, which I will recite right now. Yo. Kurt thinks I hit him with a chair. This fool is out of his mind. I'm not the guy that's gonna hit another dude from behind. <laughs> I'm not your right hand, Kurt. There's no way that I can whack you. If I got beef, I come right up to your face and frickin' smack you. Oh. Ooh. You wanna know who knocked you out? Here's a really big clue. He's 500 pounds, he smells like crap, and he's standing right next to you. Let's throw this whale back in the bay and have him sleep with the fishes. This ain't no three-way dance. This is me serving two bitches. Thank you. No way out is my house. Check the chain and the lock. These people hang from my words. You two can swing from my... And he stops talking. Yeah, I'm on the tweet. It, no way out 2004. Check the chain and the lock. Thank you, Jake. I don't know what's going on with this man. We're still... We're still... I don't know. It's been over 12 months of this. He's still not finishing his sentences. What could you possibly mean there? I, I, I tweeted John Cena. I appreciate that, man. <laughs> one thing one thing I do want to note real quick, though, 
in the lead up to this, Kurt Angle is being interviewed about John Cena and Big Show on SmackDown. And Kurt Angle describes his opponents as one thinks he's Eminem and the other one likes to eat Eminems. A lot oh of them. God. <laughs> I think he felt <laughs> I think he felt like that joke didn't connect and he goes, Lots of them. <laughs> oh, it made me it made me giggle. You see the picture on John Cena. They may be very different, but they have a couple of things in common. The first, one thinks he's Eminem, and the other one eats Eminems. Lots of them. Cena starts out chilling in the corner as Show tosses Angle across the ring. Big Show does it again, and Cena is so fired up about it that he tries his luck with Show, only to be thrown just as hard. It's weird. I was in the corner, just like, yeah, yo, yo, yeah. <laughs> I love like, What are you doing? He's yeah, being so smart. Weird. He's being a big old smarter pants. It's like I try to do that in my wrestling games, but they always want to come towards me for some reason. (laughs) It's like fight each other. Angle gets smart by suplexing Cena, but gets dumb by thinking Show is going to let him get a cover. Ooh. This is for the number one contender. How could you think that, Kurt? You silly. You got to kill him. You got to kill him with a gun. A toss to the floor bangs up Cena's bad knee. I forgot to mention this on our last review. I don't know how. When Cena got eliminated, he landed awkwardly on his knee and about tore his freaking ACL or something like that. I saw that. I was. I, it looked legit. Like, he landed kind of hard. It was. He just narrowly evaded surgery. That's good. Ugh. So, he's able to still go, thankfully. Because this is a good run by him. This leaves Show to side slam Angle. He goes for the pin, but only gets two. Show beats on both of them. And then Angle, he posts show to put him down. This leaves Cena to take some right hands back inside. John Cena hits a protobomb, connects on Angle, goes for the pin but only gets two. And Big Show is back in. Big Show chops away, and I ain't talking about center cut sirloin, folks. Right now, (laughs) if you get blueapron.com. No free shoutouts. You got to center that out with a uh, sound of me going, oh! <laughs> yeah, he's chopping away, which Cole says, it's like hitting yourself with a skillet. <laughs> I love your Cole voice. Wouldn't it be like someone else hitting you with a skillet? Why would you hit yourself with a skillet? If I hit myself with a skillet, I wouldn't hit myself that hard. I don't want to get hurt. So that's like literally what Taz is saying back to him, making him feel like an idiot. <laughs> Why would you do that, Cole? Coco, wait, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? Wouldn't it be like you're getting hit with this guy? <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't know, Taz. Just watch the match. <laughs> I don't know. Just, Shut up. <laughs> oh, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. How could you say that, Taz? So misses a charge in the corner, and Cena kicks him in the knee, setting up a top rope elbow to the head. Angle puts Show down with a missile drop kick, which looked amazing from Kurt. And the FU attempt... He drops Show again. Cena DDT's Angle for good measure, but Show sends him outside. That leaves Angle to get two off the Angle Slam, followed by the Ankle Lock to Cena. Big Show is back up with a Choke Slam to both guys, but Angle breaks up the cover on Cena with the Ankle Lock. But that's broken up as well, and it's Cena taking over, only to have Show punch him in the knee. It just looked weird. It's like just punching his knee. It just, I don't know. It just looks silly to me. 
The knee is sent into the buckle, and this is followed by a huge angle slam to Big Show that dumps him to the floor. Kurt Angle knocked out of the way by Big Show. Oh, one elbow, and that grip was, blo- was counted. Shot. And now, look at Kurt Angle. Angle slam over the top rope. An angle slam over the top rope. Oh, I literally exclaimed at that. Like, it amazed me. And the audience in the front row was like, ah! <laughs> He's gonna die. <laughs> this is highly um, inappropriate, but uh, you heard of the earthquake of 1906. What about the earthquake of 2004? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the earthquake. Remember? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys think about that spot? It just took my breath away. It was a good spot. Oh, it definitely, definitely. Oh, definitely oh, oh, my lord! I can't believe he did that. Mm-hmm, definitely is. I loved it so much that it landed Big Show with the Pepsi Blue Splash of the Night. And now it's time for the Pepsi Blue Splash of the Night. Jesus God! Oh, yeah. My goodness. A Pepsi Blue. I never thought a super heavyweight would get Splash of the Night. Big Show chugging a Pepsi Blue. Dreams can come true. So Kurt Angle gets an ankle lock and grapevines the knee of John Cena and he has no choice but to tap out. Kurt Angle is your number one contender heading into WrestleMania 20. Yes. Jake. Yeah, boy. Wiki, wiki, yo, yo. Jake, what do you think about the match? Great match, man. Like, as far as triple threats go, there's usually some sort of nonsense with them. Um, I think especially with modern wrestling, we've gotten used to some sort of cheating, some sort of foreign object coming in and using it right in front of the ref, and then the the announcers having to go, well, there's no disqualification in a triple threat match. I I thought it was really refreshing not to have that, but still have visual cheating in the match just done behind the referee's back so it shows the fans. It's like, hey, look, this guy's still the asshole. He's still cheating behind behind the referee's back. This is not what you should be doing because if you do it in front of the referee, and it just happens, and he's like, well, I can't do anything about it. It gives, like, this absolving of the action itself. So I, I really liked this match. I, I thought it was probably my match of the night. Wow. Really? Really, really. Wow. Okay. Kyle, what'd you do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I really liked it, too. Um, honestly, I, I match of the night or the next match. Or the next match, yeah. It was really well done. It's a very fun triple threat. All three guys were on their, their A game. I really, you know, I know we rip on Big Show a lot, but honestly, like... He's just one of the standout guys since we've been doing this podcast. Overall, I feel like he's been treated as a credible heel threat. And so to get him, get his little little spot where he tumbles over led to a great finish. And I really enjoyed it. So definitely thumbs up. Yeah. And on that note, I, I want to say, yeah, we rip on Big Show a lot, but we love Big Show. We think he's yeah. awesome. He's just a big fat guy. And that's what's fun about it. It's like I went back and watched a couple Andre matches recently. And poor Andre, like, you know, there was... There wasn't a cure to, you know, Big Show got that cure, but there wasn't a cure to what he had. And so as time went on, he got slower and you could just tell he was in so much pain. And so he couldn't do a whole lot. And Andre wasn't an athlete. He was a wrestler. Big Show moves around so well for someone his size. Mm-hmm. So I, w- Sh- I wish he, he didn't get the surgery until later either like very early like 2000 or like very late 1999 or something like that i remember it being pretty late uh which is a shame because um 
in WCW, like he was even more agile. Like you'd see him do those missile drop kicks. They're insane. Right. Big Show's just phenomenal. So I can't give him enough praise. I'm going to make fun of mm-hmm. him all the time, but my goodness, he, he deserves a lot of credit. But I'll say thumbs up. It started off a bit slow, but once they got into it, this match was a lot of fun to watch. It was a breeze. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, it's time for the main event. Stick around. More of that ruthless thought right after these messages. to expel the mist that poisoned your world. Battle alone or with friends by connecting up to four Game Boy Advance systems. Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. Only for Nintendo GameCube. Rated D for T. for downloading music free off of the internet. And I'm here to announce in front of everyone, we're still going to download music free off of the internet. And there's not a thing anyone can do about it. <laughs> Trip and old school. You made out with your sister. Euro Trip made it R. Starts Friday, February.
Jet Li in Rise to Honor. Ready time for tonight. Eddie Guerrero's heart survived his nephew's betrayal. The scars still remain. His will defeated 14 men for a shot at history. To be WWE champion. And now, his body will have to endure the most dominant champion ever. Eddie Guerrero, Brock Lesnar, the WWE Championship. WWE No Way Out. Live on pay-per-view Sunday, February 15th. Yeah. For the first time ever on network television, a Royal Rumble match. The winner gets a shot at the WWE title and no way out. Here's the double team. Rikishi eliminated. Wow. We're down to two. Kurt Angle and Eddie Guerrero. Kurt Angle, my God. The apron almost eliminated. And a right hand by uh -oh. Latino. Uh oh, Kurt Angle's in trouble. Another right hand uh -oh. by Eddie Guerrero. Kurt might be playing possum. Kurt Angle gonna suplex Eddie Guerrero. And he's gone, bro. And he's done. Eddie Guerrero's gonna be eliminated here. Uh oh, uh -oh. Eddie Guerrero just countered and brought Kurt Angle the back hell? into the ring. The hell's he doing? Kurt Angle eliminated. Eddie Guerrero has got a shot at the title. Latino Heat is heading to San Francisco to be Brock Lesnar and no way out for the WWE Championship. Congratulations, Eddie Guerrero. But let me tell you something. I am not afraid of you. The only thing I have going for me is that every obstacle that's been put in front of me, I have overcome. Come no way out! You're not fighting the odds, Eddie. You're fighting me. I really hope you are addicted. Addicted to losing. Because at no way out, you're gonna get your fix. Truth is, Brock, I am an addict. But you know what, Brock? I am beating those demons. I am overcoming those obstacles. I disgrace my race. I disgrace my family. And I disgrace myself. I came to a point in my life where it was do or die. Day by day, I have earned my way back into this ring. When I step into this ring, yeah, bro, I am addicted. I'm addicted to the high that I get from them. I'm addicted to the do or die feeling, Holmes, that I'm gonna have at no way out because I'm an addict and I'll do anything and run over anybody that it's gonna take to get that around my way and get my high at no way out and become the WWE Champion Oralevato!
WWE Heavyweight Title Match as Eddie Guerrero takes on Rock Lesnar. After the Royal Rumble match, the winner, Chris Benoit, decided to jump to Raw the very next night to challenge Triple H at WrestleMania for the World Heavyweight Championship. The following week on SmackDown, Vince McMahon comes out and absolutely berates Paul Heyman for allowing this to happen. Can you give us a little reenactment of that, Jake? You butthole! <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Paul Heyman, uh, nice to see you out here talking in front of all my fans, uh, but I wanted to let you know that uh, I just became Barack Obama for a second. <laughs> Barack Obama! Barack Obama! Chris Benoit went to Raw. They may as well call him Chris Benoit now. Uh, on, if on the... you don't figure this out, you're fired. <laughs> Just wiggles his tongue with that at the end. <laughs> Something like that. Now, uh, I want your wife after the show to uh, get my rocks off. <laughs> and that'll be your uh, that'll be your severance package pal so anyway moving forward uh, Vince McMahon absolutely berates Paul Heyman but Heyman comes up with a solution a 15 man Royal Rumble to determine the number one contender for No Way Out mm-hmm. Eddie Guerrero as we talked about already goes on to win it against all odds being attacked in the back and being final two with Kurt Angle and I, and I will say, for all listeners, it is totally worth a watch. Go watch that 15-man Royal Rumble. It's fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel like the following weeks on SmackDown after this, though, it's a tale of two stories. Brock Lesnar is done with WWE. And guys, I want to take a page out of the Lapsed Fans book when they covered No Way Out 2004 and read an excerpt from Death Clutch. By Brock Lesnar. So Brock, he recalls a match he was going to have with The Rock in 2003 in Miami. Have you guys heard about this? No, I have not heard about it. So yeah, it was... Do you mind, sir? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm doing the Brock Lesnar thing for you. I was trying to be background. Thank you. You know, I love you, baby. Uh, so yeah, they had a, a house show match between Brock and Rock in Miami, and here's what Brock Lesnar had to say. I was so excited the day I heard that I had been booked against Dwayne in Miami for our second one-on-one match, and if we're including the triple threat match with Triple H in Australia, our third match overall. It ended up being one of the most important days in my wrestling career, because that match in Miami was a pivotal point in my decision to quit WWE. Before that first SummerSlam, the company flew me down to Miami so Dwayne and I could work out the high points and the finish of our upcoming match. It was Dwayne's daughter's first birthday, and he invited me to stay in his home with him and his family. Dwayne's dad was a journeyman wrestler named Rocky Johnson, so he knew just how to play the pro wrestling game as good as anyone. Just like Kurt Henning, who you know we know Brock was associated with, close with. Dwayne was born into the business. 
The second-generation wrestlers and even third-generation wrestlers like Randy Orton understand the business a lot better than guys who break in from other walks of life because they grew up around it. Dwayne, Kurt, and Randy all saw that the business was about and the sacrifices the family has to make. They also learned the psychology behind the scenes because they were exposed to it from day one. That's a tremendous advantage for them because it might as well be in their blood. I wasn't born into the business, so unlike Dwayne and the others, I had to learn the hard way about things. If someone from the company would have called me and said, Hey Brock, would you mind doing a job for The Rock this weekend in Miami? It wouldn't have been a big deal to me. I owed him that much. I liked Dwayne, and I learned a lot from him in that week before he put me over for the championship. But the way everything was handled in Miami really opened my eyes to the wrestling business, and the night of my big match with Dwayne is one that I'll never forget. I showed up in the arena and was met by Jack Lanza, the road agent in charge of the show. Jack was a Minnesota boy and took me under his wing when I moved up the WWE roster. As the road agent, Jack would get the finishes on the phone or via email from Vince or JR or Laurinaitis. Isn't that weird? Yeah, they just didn't know the finish until then. Just seems like something that would be talked about in person. Yeah, it's it's weird. Why well, you got to email sure. a finish? <laughs> New email from Jim Ross. Triple H is going over the hurricane this Monday night on... <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> he would then produce the live event and report back to the bosses on how the show went, who performed well and who didn't. I had been up and down the road with the Jack a few times, so this day shouldn't have been any different from any other. I figured when the time was right, we would all sit down and Jack would tell us how Vince wanted the match to end. No reason to believe the show was any different from the others except I was working with Dwayne, and that was pretty special for the both of us. And then I realized, something ain't right here. The show had already started, and Jack hadn't given us a finish yet. Dwayne and I started talking about our match, and I kept thinking, okay, but what's the finish here? It was about an hour and a half before we were supposed to step into the ring for the main event of the evening, and Dwayne says to me, Yada, 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 and that's when I'll hit you with the rock bottom. One, two, three. And I actually laughed because I thought Dwayne was ribbing me. I was the WWE champion, the golden boy. It was my time to be on top. I was supposed to win. And here's the rock, who should know better, saying he's going to pin the WWE champion with the rock bottom. That was funny. Dwayne had this nervous look on his face, and he wasn't laughing with me. He just put all the heat on Vince right away and said, I can't believe Vince didn't tell you about this. Did he call you about this? Dwayne made it seem like he thought I knew he was supposed to beat me and that he was shocked that I didn't. I told you about things like this, Dwayne said. A lot of a lot of poop falls through the cracks and you got to stay on top of Vince about everything. I remember this week I stayed with Dwayne. He was on the phone with Vince constantly. It was the it was the right way to handle his business. Dwayne had a hand in everything they did with his character. He was a big enough star that he had some say in how his character was used and how Vince would market and promote him. Even back then, Dwayne would tell me, now that you're going to be on top, you need to stay on top of everything all the time. So I went to Jack Lanza and said, Jack, tell me, what is going on here? I'm the WWE champion and I'm losing tonight? Why didn't anyone tell me? Jack's only reply was, well, it's a non-title match. What does that mean? 
I never knew that my title wasn't on the line that night. I never knew that I was supposed to lose to The Rock. It's Miami, Jack said. No one will ever know. I can remember hearing Jack say that like it was yesterday. I wasn't upset about losing. That wasn't the point at all. What bothered me was the point that I was the last guy to know. When I should have been the first. No one had the guts to tell me the truth. Until it was time to step into the ring. Just from the look on Joint's face and the tone in Jack's voice, I knew they were in on something that I wasn't. It was obvious to me that Vince and Dwayne and Jack were all in cahoots and I wasn't being smart enough to the situation until the very last minute. That night changed my attitude toward the WWE because it's when I started to feel Vince was a manipulative man and that I was being played. So we're going to continue this excerpt in our next review because we can't just go forward, but that's how Brock is feeling. He's been done with WWE since the summer of last year. It's just so weird. Considering that, like, the dude just, he's like a, like, you know, comparing this pay-per-view to how he felt like, you know, I don't know, a year ago, it's just, he was like the hottest thing on the planet. Like, he was certainly like the next big thing. So just, in this pay-per-view, it just feels like he's just cooled off. And it's just so odd. And this whole, yeah, Brock, I like, to me, there seems to be a lot of heat between him and, 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 and Rock. Because, like, you you don't really, people at that point didn't refer to the rock as Dwayne. It feels like a dig to me. Like I was in the ring with Dwayne. You know, it's, 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 it's kind of weird. Across, sorry. As it comes across more like a Goldberg quote than a, than a Brock Lesnar quote. But how many times have we heard from guys where everything about their character is being told to everyone except them? This ain't nothing new. Mm-mm. And you do that with Brock Lesnar. Which is really weird because this reminds me of a story. I remember Steve Austin telling on his podcast. It was like he had Big Show on there, and this is like this is like the kind of towards like the height of Stone Cold Steve Austin's popularity. They were doing a house show, and you know Big Show they wanted to make him a credible threat, and so he was just going to go over and just pin Austin in a non-title. And Austin was like, "No," and <laughs> they were basically <laughs> like, "Okay, all right, you're the champ." And so just to see how, I guess, things have changed since then, it's just weird. It's like, it just makes me think, like, this is the point when WWE is starting to become a little more corporate-minded rather than yeah. talent-minded, you know? Yeah, they really are. Now that they they know Brock, he's out of the door around this time. He's going to the NFL, perhaps. Got to get that belt off of him. How do we do that? Put him against Eddie Guerrero. And Eddie is someone who's becoming in Vince's favor over the past, you know, couple years since his return you know he's cleaned himself up to his credit eddie's absolutely earned it but brock is conflicted he doesn't want to lose the belt to eddie he doesn't understand why because brock doesn't care about the wrestling business he's never cared about the wrestling business he's never made that a secret but brock he went into this match the promos leading up to this you may have heard in the opening package and even the pre-match package where brock says these quotes and you hear a lot of intensity in his voice but when you look at his face, there is zero expression. And I right. was amazed by that. I'm like, wow, that says so much right there that he's talking like this. But there, I, I, it's not, that's not hyperbole. That is the 100% honest truth. He has no expression in his lines. 
The man is uninspired and is just like, done. He's just doing his job at this point. Exactly right. Now, the the flip side of that, Eddie Guerrero, and he's built so much to get back to this point where he's giving everything his all. You know, born and bred in the wrestling business. He loves wrestling. Sometimes too much. In fact, he gave his life for the business. But we'll get to that a little later. Eddie gave the promo work of his life in the weeks leading up to this. And he refers to, you know, Brock's playing on his demons and all that sort of stuff. And Eddie, he talks about that. And he points to the championship and he says, that is my apology to my family for all the years where I wasn't there for them. I wasn't man enough for them. I wasn't dad enough for them. That is my apology to say, hey, I overcame everything, and this is the fruits of the labor. My gosh, Eddie, just, man, he deserves so much credit for the work, the promo work he did to put over this match. And it paid off because the Cow Palace is sold out. It's had a pretty yeah, good buy rate. My gosh, man. So props to Eddie. Because at the time, I, I want to say this, I almost forgot this, but I didn't buy Eddie as a credible threat back in the day to the title. And I don't no. think I don't think a lot of people did. Have you guys ever come across an unintentional spoiler in wrestling? And, and I'm not talking about reading something online where it ex- expressly says it. For me, I had my first happening with this when I read a WWE magazine and they were promoting No Way Out. This was before the pay-per-view and mm-hmm. Eddie was on the poster. And I'm like... Why is he on the poster? I didn't view him as important enough. There was no story at the time. There was no, there was none of that. And then Mm. I'm like, there was something in the back of my head telling me he's going to win the match. And sure enough, he did. Have you guys ever had an experience like that? Where you just kind of see the poster and you're like, you feel like it's somewhat spoiled for you. An unintentional spoiler in wrestling. I guess, yeah. Like, I feel sometimes in promotion, they're a bit too on the nose with who is going to win. Honestly, you could say it somewhat about Royal Rumble with Benoit. I guess in that sense, sure. It's happened to me. I spoiled a match for myself one time. It was like <clears throat> the the Rock was the champion, and he was going up against Triple H, and he had to win a handicap match against Edge and Christian to hold on to the title, and it was the go-home show before the pay-per-view. <laughs> And I was, and it was like the, it was the main event of the night and I had to go to bed because I was a kid and I didn't get to see the main event. But in my mind, I just said, well, Rock has to fight Triple H at the pay-per-view. So there's no way he's going to lose. Oh man. (laughs) Right. There you go. There, there you go. There you go, man. Did you guys think Eddie had any sort of chance of beating Brock? No. Like in this, like as, you know, like from before, like as a boy. As it happened, when it was booked, did you think Eddie was going to win? I mean, no. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'd i see it be hard to. I mean, especially since they're pushing this Goldberg feud thing, you know. You figured, oh, well, of course it makes sense. There's a title on the line, but now it's like, what are they fighting for other than just blood? So now it's weird. But anyways. So here we go. Brock versus Eddie. We begin with Lesnar powering Eddie around. He knees Eddie in the ribs a few times, and we get some Eddie chance to fire up. 
but another right hand cuts Eddie back down. We get a power bomb and then a swinging toss that has Eddie thinking he might be in over his head for this match. We get an overhead belly-to-belly, which exasperates the situation. Brock knees him in the face as the announcers keep pushing the idea that Eddie has no chance. Another suplex sends Eddie outside as it's complete dominance so far by Lesnar. Eddie manages to hotshot Lesnar across the ropes and wraps the knee around the post for his first real bout of offense. Brock posts him right back, though, and does his best Ryback impression by hitting a shell shock complete with marching. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, is he doing the shell shot? (laughs) The big guy. Freaking hate Ryback. (laughs) I hate Ryback, too. He goes for the pin, but it's only good for two. We get a very hard clothesline. It sets up a German suplex to Eddie. Lesnar is just yeeting Eddie all over the ring, by the way. Just tossing him (laughs) everywhere. German suplex to Eddie, but this time Lesnar is a bit slower to follow up. So the beast is getting worn down a little bit. Brock misses the running knee in the corner, though, and falls out over the top to the floor, holding his knee off on the bad landing. Eddie follows him out with a dive, and the fans are really rallying behind Eddie here. Back in, and a hot shot sends Eddie ribs first into the ropes. Eddie is reeling, but grabs the knee, pulling Lesnar down into an STF. This is when I started to be like, oh, well, what's what's going on here? He can't hold on very long, so he goes with a stomp to the knee instead. The knee is fine enough for another belly-to-belly, but Eddie drop kicks the knee again. We get a figure four that has the knee in even more trouble until Lesnar realizes he's next to the rope. Eddie isn't done and goes back to the STF, and this time Lesnar isn't strong enough to power out immediately. He eventually rolls over and grabs a spine buster for two. And then he gets something like a crossface chicken wing to keep Eddie down. And the fans are right there with cheers for Eddie. Eddie fights out and goes up but whiffs on the missile dropkick. A vertical suplex puts Eddie down and Lesnar has a busted nose. Brock grabs a gut wrench on the mat factoring that he's not managing toe-to-toe with Eddie well enough due to the speed advantage. So he sticks with a power game on the mat. Eddie finally slips out and drop kicks the knee again, which clearly takes away a lot of Lesnar's fire in short order. We get the three amigos. This has Lesnar down. He goes for the frog splash, Eddie does, but he misses. Lesnar is back up with the F5, but on the spin, referee Brian Hebner gets blasted by Eddie's boots. And he is out. (laughs) It's so awesome how they did that. With no one to count, Lesnar goes to get the title and Goldberg, Goldberg. <laughs> Goldberg comes in with a huge spear to Brock Lesnar. And so uh, that just tells you that security is not very good around there. Yeah, but he was handcuffed. Handcuffed behind his back. So that means to me either someone let him go or he managed to get a key with his hands behind his back use his hands to manipulate and unlock those handcuffs and then come out to the, no, and then escape while the old guy and the fat dude aren't watching. <laughs> this is stupid. No, dude, he's Goldberg. He just ripped them apart. Well, then yeah, why are on his wrists? Because uh, you're next. That's why. I don't know. You're last. So Brock is down. That gives Eddie a chance to go for the pin. But he only gets two. The crowd are in disbelief. 
that was a huge like pop out of that too he's like (laughs) (laughs) so eddie he loads up the uh, title belt shot but he gets caught in an f5 but it's reversed amazingly into a ddt onto the belt that looked awesome Mm-hmm. It's a classic spot. I loved it. This sets up for the frog splash. Eddie connects, goes for the pin. One, two, three. New WWE champion, Eddie Guerrero. Latino heat. Kyle, what did you think about this match? Garbage. Thumbs down. Brother sucks. No. Uh, overall, uh, really great match. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it. Eddie was a, a trooper through and through really put on a clinic um in the end i felt you know totally deserving i was definitely like yay eddie um only criticism i have of it is there's just some parts that kind of were slow like you know brock putting them in the big old hold and crap just for too long kind of drug it down a little bit towards the end but overall yeah big old thumbs up i i want to give this match a thumbs up because of what it represents and I do. I like this match. It's so I'm I'm gonna say thumbs up, thumbs up, leaning towards middle. I'm just I'm so confused by Goldberg in this entire pay per view. He's a heel. He's a face. He's a heel. So, he's a face. He's a heel. He's a face. So wait a second. Wait a second. It's not the actual match. It's Goldberg's involvement. Yeah. <laughs> it it ruins the match for me. That's fair. Be- That's it's funny, but it's fair. Because well, look at it this way. I mean the. Remember when we we started talking, I said every single match in this show, with the exception of the world's greatest tag team in the APA, has had some sort of outside interference, some sort of nonsense, and some sort of chicanery involved in it. Chicanery, yes. And and for Brock Lesnar to like it, it does it illegitimizes Eddie's win in a way because it's like he wouldn't have won if it wasn't for the jackhammer and the spear that Goldberg gave him twice throughout the course of the night. And it's, I don't know, it feels like another way for Goldberg to be like, yeah, look at me, I'm the reason this happened. I'm the cool guy here. I've got all the powers on the playground. I get it. Uh, I think I was just more just kind of like into just the story of Eddie overcoming that I just kind of let it slide. Just It could have been just because I'm so like, I see Goldberg and I just tune out. Right. I just didn't really care. Because as soon as he just came, he was gone, you know, Brock kicked out. It doesn't really matter for me, so it's whatever. But yeah, I totally get it because Goldberg can go, he can go suck an egg. Yeah, thumbs up. So I'm gonna be completely honest here. Despite the fact that I had this VHS for many years, uh, this was the first time for the review that I watched this match. Oh, I had never seen it before in its entirety. I just seen the end, but that you know, the same end that everyone else has seen. And you can't really hate this match. For a 30-minute match, they pulled out everything they could to keep the live audience invested all the way through. And they did. They did a good job of that. The only thing I would change is Goldberg's involvement. Yeah. But even then, I'm conflicted. Because would Eddie have beaten Brock without Goldberg? That's the million-dollar question. And we, you know, we have the power of hindsight to say, "Oh yeah, of course, he had a storied career." Blah blah blah. At the time, he had no world title wins. At the time, he's just a, a tag team mid Carter guy. Would he have won without Goldberg? Something to think about. Hmm. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. I would love it if Eddie would have won on his own. 
but I, I get why they did what they did. And they're telling a bigger story to sell tickets to WrestleMania 20. That's what they've been doing since summer of last year, where we've seen WrestleMania 20 logos on everything. They do not want to repeat 19's mistake. So I get it. The money is in get Goldberg it. and Lesnar. Uh, but I'd love to see Eddie overcome all that adversity and finally win the big one. Win the big one. And that was No Way Out 2004. Overall, a pretty decent show. Not hard to get through. I mean, there's some parts that uh, leave you regretting your decision, but uh, I liked it. What did you guys think? The last third was was good. I enjoyed it. But, man, that, that first half was some jank. So it's really hard for me to keep a lot of praise in the pay-per-view. I'd say, you know... If you're just going through, just watching the road to WrestleMania, you know, just give it a watch. But nobody'd fault you for skipping the first few matches. So, for me, it would just be kind of like a, honestly, just like a thumbs middle as a whole package. Whole package. I, I I go with how I feel um, as I'm walking away from the show, and I I enjoyed it. I like the last few matches really picked up. The first few matches were terrible, terrible. But I, I think that the last few, I mean, this is a B pay-per-view, so I can't really fault it. From the word go, they were letting us know that the only thing that really matters in the show is Eddie and Brock. I really liked it, but the thing that I find interesting, the match between like Hardcore Holly and Rhino just got thrown in there because the show ends at like two and a half hours. They were running out of time. They, were, they, didn't, they didn't have enough stuff to fill a full show. They really didn't, yeah. and they didn't, they didn't have enough time. Mm-mm. So with that out of the way, we thank you for tuning in. I want to welcome you, or invite you, rather, to join us next time for WrestleMania 20. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Guys, it's our second WrestleMania review. And it's a big one. Oh, my gosh. A five-hour show. Jake, what can we expect from WrestleMania 20? Some matches, some guys, some girls. No, in the, our opener, we've got, well, it's the big show. He's, he's going to be defending the WWE United States Championship against one Juan Cena. We have a singles match between Chris John, Chris John, and Christopher Jericho. Evolution goes up against the Rock and Sock Connection in a handicap match. We've got Miss Jackie and Stacy Keebler going up against Tori Wilson and Sable in a Playboy evening gown match. <laughs> We've got uh, Goldberg going up against Bro- a Broccoli Snar with uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin as a what? special guest rest- restoree, referee rather. More like in- restroom attendee. <laughs> Uh, Molly Holly will be challenging in a hair versus title match for the WWE Women's Championship against Victoria. Eddie Guerrero, the new champion, will be defending in his first pay-per-view defense against one Kurt Angle. Oh my, this is breaking news. Oh my god. In a singles match, it's going to be The Undertaker against Kane. (gasps) He's back. And in our main event of the evening, it's a triple threat match for the World Heavyweight Championship as 
Chris Benoit defends against, or excuse me, Chris Benoit challenges with Shawn Michaels against Triple H in a triple threat match for the World Heavyweight Championship. Certain to be a, sh- a big show. So yeah, please tune in next time for that review. We cannot wait to get our hands on that one. It's going to be a big, beefy episode. So big, come, beefy. So come prepared. Big, beefy. And in the meantime, if you can't get enough of that ruthless goodness, you can follow us on social media. At Twitter is, or excuse me, Twitter is at RuthlessPod. Instagram, Ruthless Aggression Podcast. And YouTube and Facebook, respectively, the Ruthless Aggression Podcast. Jake, where can they follow you in the meantime? You can find me at JakeTaber541 at CrashLandis on Twitter. Both of those are suitable. You can find me on Twitch at CrashLandis or Red Arrow PNW. I'm also the host of my show with Alex and Jake, who just released a new episode this morning uh, talking about a guy who did not handle the situation with the rain very well. It's very entertaining. Check it out. Available now at badfacts.info. And Kyle, are you able to be followed anyway at all? Uh, I mean, if you know my address, you can follow me, but I might do a restraining order. Um, but if you need me, just hit us up on our main channels, and uh, <laughs> I'll be sure to respond. And of course, we thank our donors to the show, Nate the Effing Great and Amy Dalton, for their generous contributions. And hey, if you throw us a little, little spending money, a little cheddar, then we'll include you at the end of every episode, just as we do our great listeners who have donated to the show. And you can do so by following the link in the description of this podcast to donate directly to our show. You can donate $0.99, cents, $5, or $10. And we use that to buy Cheetos and drinks, and it's a good time. No, everything goes to improving the quality of the show, such as this Shure SM7B microphone that I'm using and the Blue Yeti that Jake is using. And, we just and the Pepsi Blue that Levi's drinking. Tasty. But we thank you all for listening. Thank you to those who have donated. And in the meantime, this has been the Ruthless Aggression Podcast. I'm Levi. I am Kyle. I'm Jake. Reminding you to stay ruthless. <laughs>